0: This episode is supported by Dove. Narrow beauty standards have permeated our feats, perpetuating beauty ideals that can't be achieved in real life, impacting girls' self-esteem. To help combat this, the Dove Self-Esteem Project is taking action to support the next generation so that they can have a positive experience on social media by providing no-cost resources to parents, mentors, and educators. Dove is tackling the issue of digital distortion with Reverse Selfie, a film rooted in new research on body confidence from the Dove Self-Esteem Project. They are also providing a new confidence kit so that kids and parents can navigate social media with confidence and have a more positive experience online. Head over to dove.com slash the selfie talk to download the new confidence kit and helpful tips to have the selfie talk today. But Alex. Yeah, Shane.
1: Let's begin this episode.
0: Let's do it hello everyone i'm alex and i'm here with my husband shane the babies are in bed the cat is in her room and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this family tree podcast episode 90
1: 90 10 away from 100 i
0: know it's big and this episode's been a long time coming i feel
1: like Yeah, we haven't podcasted in forever we skipped date night
0: oh that's first time in, what 21 weeks yeah that's that's wild.
1: We even skipped our Saturday night recording of this podcast.
0: And that is something I don't think we've ever done. But before we get into the whys and the hows and all of that, let's talk about who's going to be on this episode because it is a really fantastic one.
1: So we're getting into the who's.
0: We're getting into the who's, but the who's of this situation, not our situation. Why? <laughs> all right. So first up, we have Dr. Cindy Huffington. This was a Fantastic conversation. So she runs the page Curious Neuron, and she's a neuroscientist who discusses parenting through that neuroscientist lens. So we talk about screen time, what happens to our kids' brains when they get screen time, if their brains actually melt or not, the impact of stressed out or arguing parents on kids as young as babies, and depression in dads, and how that affects dads and the family around them.
1: Now, all you shaniacs out there are going to notice that I'm missing from the interview.
0: You are. And we talked a lot about dad stuff. It would have been nice, babe.
1: Well, I'm a busy man and the people have spoken. It's like, oh, it's so much more refreshing. Nobody shani-
0: has said that.
1: Well, I've heard it.
0: <laughs> Send me these messages. Give me a pump it's up. It's on Reddit. <laughs> Get out of here. I wish there was a Reddit thread about us. All right. Next up, though, we have Annalise King. And Annalise King, she... Uh, curates or creates the really popular page, Shitty Mommy Moments and Shitty Marriage Moments. And I'm just going to do a swearing warning right now. In that episode, because we refer to her page so much, there's a lot of the use of the word shitty.
1: Well, you said shitty before you did the warning. So you should have done the warning before you Um, said shitty mommy. moments."
0: Well, I'm sorry, folks. So yeah, there's, if you got a little kid there, I'd put that one. On the back burner until your kid is napping. Who's listening
1: to these podcasts with children?
0: I, you'll get to that in the question and there answer is? segment, Shane. Yes,
1: I didn't know people did that.
0: I didn't know either, but I know now. And now I'm concerned that one person mentions this in our question and answer segment, and uh, for that person's child's innocence, I would t- I would suggest to listen to the Annalise King episode on your own
1: or interview or maybe just our podcast in general don't listen to it (laughs) because we do have the e for explicit on that for that very reason we do it's not like we're swearing all the time but just to be safe we keep the e there
0: well i'm assuming this kid is like too young to be speaking but we'll we'll see we'll talk about it later uh anyhow yeah with annalise king we talk about those tough moments in motherhood in parenthood and in marriage and the benefits of venting getting to vent with a community with your friends whatever and the annoying things that husbands do oh
1: i love venting with communities <laughs> <laughs> i'm going out to see my community back in an hour
0: well here's, i feel
1: the, so much better the
0: now. thing is our our community would be online that we were talking about right because she has this big you know this popular page and then i guess you and i have a mm-hmm. podcast which we vent through a lot
1: i love how anytime you're venting it's always about the dishes. No, something that you, by and large, <laughs> refuse to touch.
0: Shane, you're so perfect. I'm just, you know, grasping at straws for something to complain to you about. I am complain not about saying you. I'm
1: perfect, but <laughs> I would say I've met my match.
0: <laughs> all right. So, great interviews. Hope you enjoy them. But, Shane, before we get into all the other stuff, give me a little, a little toast. Mm. Cheers, babe. So, tonight we're drinking Seedlip Garden 108, which is so so good it's got that like it, the gardeny feel I was gonna say where did I get that word and fever tree cucumber tonic which is just the most refreshing combination. yeah what do you m- think?
1: I think it's very good I've had it many times like we've we've almost stopped doing the really fancy seed lip drinks. I'm not complaining because in the summer months you want a refreshing beverage oh. and you want one quick.
0: Simplicity all about simplicity in these summer months.
1: But Alex, you are looking and sounding mighty sick right now. What's up?
0: Wait, do I still sound sick?
1: Yeah, I sound sick too. (laughs) I really notice it. We do not sound not sick.
0: Okay, so Shane and I have been sick for a week since last... Sunday, I think we first started feeling the little inclination that we might not be feeling good.
1: And of course, it was the day we went on our little getaway. It was still a work trip. I mean, I didn't take the week off work. So I was just working from the cottage. Mm -hmm. But the second I got there, I was just feeling like something I tickled in the throat. Like you said, it was the little inclination that something's about to go down. And then bam, all of us got taken out one by one. And I was certain it was COVID. I had <laughs> I had fatigue. I had a mild fever. I was coughing. And I was very, very concerned. And I was thinking of Dr. Drew, how he was saying he thought he might have gotten COVID from trying to get the vaccine. Yes. And I was like, geez, we just got the vaccine. We're under our two-week period before it yeah. kicks in. And I've gotten COVID. Now what? So I talked to some close friends and family members. I got their advice and they all said, hey, it's yeah, it's just in your head, you do not have COVID. But every day it started getting worse and worse. And we insisted on getting the test.
0: Yes. So it, it was brutal. Like Shane said, he had the fever, he had the cough. I wasn't feeling those things yet, but I did have what, like some stomach issues, some tummy issues, some number two issues, which it's just is called diarrhea, yeah. All right, I had some diarrhea, which is a COVID thing. And both girls, I mean, they could barely breathe. Uh, Their noses were so stuffed up. They were so cranky, just having a really hard time. And it was was awful. And for the first time, like the entirety of this pandemic, we weren't even going to parks because we didn't want to touch the play equipment. But we finally said, you know what? Let's live it up. Let's go to parks. Let the kids go on the monkey bars, all that. And it was like a day later that we started feeling ill.
1: So stay away from those monkey bars is the point. (laughs) And uh, yeah, like we, Lou and Betty got the test. They mm-hmm. got the, the nose swab and we put that on your Instagram. And within seconds, of course, somebody said, uh, I won't say the word because it's too bad of a word, but I'll just replace it with another word.
0: Well, I think we can, the best way to say it would be the person said, why the blank would you let your kids get nose blanked? You guys must be
1: lost. And it's like our daughter is under the age of one, is immunocompromised, and if she gets COVID, she could be in serious medical Mm. danger, obviously. And if you don't like it, I don't know what you think an acceptable alternative is.
0: Yeah, and and here's the thing. Like, had her sickness gotten worse, because she could not breathe. We had to get an aspirator, uh, like a nasal aspirator, and I was trying to get all the boogers out of her nose that way. And it, it was really... It was kind of a scary illness, especially because you and I, Shane, were feeling it so badly. So here's the thing. If we were to take her to a doctor to, for medical attention, because if, she, or if, if her illness escalated at all, she would have had to get the test anyway. So why not be able to rule out COVID so that we can treat it properly? Like, we just want her to be the healthiest.
1: It's always interesting when you get these messages from these people, because I look at them, you show them to me when it's Mm -hmm. very shocking. And the message before is always some frivolous like, girl, you got it going on. And it's (laughs) like, they're so nice and complimentary. And then they turn on a dime when it becomes something serious and not frivolous.
0: Yeah, like right before this message, the woman was literally complimenting my outfit and telling me how pretty I looked.
1: (laughs) So it goes from (laughs) that to nose bleeping. Like that's a pretty big switch.
0: Yeah, and especially for this person to use that word in association with a baby was disgusting to me, like so disgusting, and I was furious. I was furious Yeah, this wasn't
1: the F word if people were listening. This was a very inappropriate, uncomfortable word that this person used, and we explained it to her without being rude at all, even though we we had every right to not be uh, kind. Anyway, these people, they read the messages, and then they just...
0: (laughs) They "Mm." leave you on read, and then they just don't say anything. Yeah
1: okay so that was the first thing that was probably not so good to happen to us (laughs) the second equally as bad thing in my opinion right was we had to do some it's called adr Mm. so we record tiktoks as you probably noticed if you follow our account in any capacity and one of the tiktoks we recorded there was so much wind noise and lawnmowers and birds that the audio that we were, were saying was indecipherable So my solution was to re-record the audio (laughs) and then just match it later in post. It's called a dub. Mm -hmm. And ADR stands for Additional Dialogue Recording. So this is a common thing I do in my industry and it's very common within any movie in the history of time. So I'm like, it'll be fine. We'll do it at the cottage. Mm -hmm. And you said, great. So we found this area that was really good to record. Great. So what I did is every line I played it on a loop. And I gave you AirPods. So you listen to yourself (laughs) saying to this line on a loop. And and so you can't hear it playing out loud on the iPhone phone. And then with another iPhone, I record you saying it. And then I match the edit later. But instantly, you dropped one AirPod in the lake.
0: Well, because did you mention that it was on a dock?
1: We were on a very sturdy dock. (laughs) Unfortunately, the place where we got the best audio was in this little alcove on the dock because if we went any closer, there was too much bird noise. So I was like, yes, we're on a dock, but here's where we're we're recording. And you've worn AirPods before, but the second you went to put them in your ears, one fell out and went into the lake.
0: And then not only did it go into the lake, but so there's like... A bunch of these little rocks, like I'd say fist-sized rocks, that kind of create like I don't know, like a breaking wall underwater. But the the ear the earpod AirPod went into that. So then I had to start taking apart the breaking wall, and I'm worried about like leeches and like weird bugs or like water snakes or something. We have a mink that lives there, but I did it, babe. For your earpod AirPod, found it.
1: The second the AirPod dropped, I go no! I scream at the top of my lungs, and your mom's at the cottage too. She's like, "Is everything okay? Is everyone okay?" I'm just like so upset. I'm just like, "Yeah, everything everything's fine." She's like, "You're sure?" Like you screamed quite loudly. I'm like, "Yeah, it's just an AirPod." It's like, oh, okay. And it, it just seemed <laughs> like nothing. It's like, oh, just just an AirPod, you chill. But this was a Christmas gift for me. I use the AirPods for everything. I you know. Um, I find it's the only thing I can talk to people on the phone with where they can hear me. I used to have this other, like, connected to a wire earphones, like traditional earphones, and no one could hear me talking on the phone. And I like to walk quite a bit. And it's the only thing I can connect to on our cottage computer right that we used to edit so remotely when i'm up at the cottage for work i need the airpods to do the work mm-hmm. but one airpod still works anyway so we dry off the airpod put it in my ear of course it does not work and i'm a little upset but it's hey at least you didn't drop both airpods in <laughs> right so we go in the house we try to do all these techniques. We, we YouTube how to fix it. Apparently, you're not supposed to use a hairdryer. You're not supposed to put it back in the AirPod charger. Uh, you kind of blow on it like a harmonica. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, there's a variety of techniques, but mainly let it dry out. The rice thing apparently is a myth, so don't do that. Let it dry out. And then in a few hours, it should be working. So I'm hopeful that it will work. I've had people, I've seen people drop iPhones into the lake, and it, it work a couple hours later. I'm like, okay. We're just going to record with the one AirPod. Can you do that? You're like, yeah. Do we have to record on the dock? I'm like, yes. <laughs> the dock is the best area. But I'm like, Alex, if you just hold it in your ear, like a news reporter, you know, you've you've gone on runs with my AirPods before. You'll be fine. Just hold it like a news reporter, okay? You're like, yeah. I'm like, why are you so nervous? Just hold it. You go, okay. So we go out to record it again. Mm-hmm. And You go to put it in your ear and you drop it again. (laughs) You just instantly go to put it in your ear and it falls back in the lake.
0: It didn't go in my ear right. It didn't go in my ear right. And then I took my hand off too early and it just fell off. So whereas the left one fell off the left side of the dock, this one falls on the right side of the dock. Fish it out really quick though because I don't have the shock this time. And we thought we we were in the clear with this guy.
1: We get it out and I... I i put it in my ear and it's not working but then i i I like dried it a little bit more Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it started working yeah so i'm like hey alex don't worry this one is working the right ear is working Mm -hmm. some time goes by and the left one starts working Mm -hmm. so i go to charge both my airpods i'm like they're back working but when you go to charge them the right one stopped working. So the one that barely got in the water, all of a sudden I like fried it by charging it or brought out water and I'm just left with one AirPod now, the left one, which was in the lake the longest, the one that barely got in the lake for hardly any time now is ruined.
0: Well, I I think we learned a lot from this. And first of all, don't let me wear AirPods on a dock. But secondly, like we both did a lot of research. So if you find yourself in this position, I think this could be valuable information. Mm So. If you have a microfiber cloth, that's the best thing that you can use and use it to like soak up the water and just pat dry all of the, what, like the microphony parts or the open parts on your AirPods. That's the best thing you could use. We obviously didn't have that. So I used paper towel and it, it worked and then blow in it and then let it sit somewhere to dry in the sun, but not in direct sun because you don't want it to overheat. And the one thing you don't want to do is charge it before it completely dries, because that will like melt the insides, which mm-hmm. is what happened.
1: And there's also a little app called Water Eject, mm-hmm. and this plays a high frequency noise that makes water come out <laughs> of your AirPod, and it works for phones too. But you just have to hold the AirPod and cover two holes on it, and that will force all of the air or the vibration to just go to where the water can dislodge. That is so wild. It's it's. It's almost worth dunking your AirPods. <laughs> now we're telling people to do it, but dunk the AirPods in your bathtub, take it out, and watch it because it's very cool. Okay, I've got two more topics here. You had a boyfriend previously who had gotten into an argument with your mom about <laughs> <laughs> about Shits Creek, amongst other things. There was there was a one one potentially bigger issue. He got into an, yeah. a, a little squabble with her and then there was a shit's creek thing yes. where your mom was saying I like shit's creek and he, he kind of rudely was like I don't like shit's creek I think in fact I think it's a terrible show and it's just awkward and weird to be getting in a fight with the not even in-laws but the girlfriends
0: yeah and parents. that that was 7 years ago and they're still uh, rightly upset it's about it it's still
1: brought up but for me I'm the type of guy Hey, I, it's hard to get me into a passionate debate. I do not care to get into political discussions. <laughs> I honestly, I'd be hard pressed to think of anything that I wouldn't be fairly go with the flow about. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, uh, I've gotten in several, and I mean several, heated debates over pop culture. Now, mike and i my friend mike veerman and i almost ruined our relationship over the show arrested development what he thought that arrested development was a great show so he did the things that friends try to do is they sit the friend down and they make them watch an episode right and mike's kind of watching me watch the episode because <laughs> he's so excited for this arrested development show yeah and he thinks that i'm like a good comedic mind and i'll appreciate it mm-hmm. But it was just weird. I didn't like the way it was shot. The first episode I didn't find great. And Mike was forced laughing at a few points. And I just go, you know what? I don't like that show. He goes, you don't like that show? Shame. That doesn't make any sense. This is like everyone who likes comedy likes this show. I go, well, I don't. And he goes, that's like saying you like Elf, but you don't like this show. I go, I do like Elf. <laughs> and I really did. I grew up on Elf. And I'm like, you're such an elitist, Mike. <laughs> and we got into this. We, we did this for a pre-drink to go down oh, to a no. bar. And it lasted all night for, oh, for no. hours, hours and hours. Then there was another night. This was like two weeks later where we got into a discussion with Mike and our other friend, Dan Hamilton, whether on the show deal or no deal. This mm-hmm. was a Howie Mandel hosted show, whether you could rig that show, right? And I can't remember if I thought you could and he thought you couldn't, but it was this never-ending debate on why it was possible, and it just got so heated. Another thing, complete night ruined. I've had a thing where uh, there's pe- some people like Friends and some people like Seinfeld. I hate Friends. I know it's a passion <laughs> thing, but what happens is a friend will sit you down and they'll make you watch an episode yeah. of Friends, and of course, anytime the Friends person does, which I'm a Seinfeld person. All Friends episodes are pretty darn good. They're all pretty good. But when you go to sit the friend down to watch Seinfeld, and back then there wasn't Netflix where you could watch it on demand, so you would Mm -hmm. have to actually just, whatever episode the TV gives you, it would always be the Chinese food episode, which is a great episode, but not a typical Seinfeld episode, or the parking lot episode, Mm -hmm. or one of the first ones when Jerry's apartment is different. Okay. So I'd always be like, huh? Huh? And if you don't know the characters anything, it's just kind of a weird show that's a little <laughs> bit too mean or something. Anyway, this is all to say that I got into it with your mom over Stanley Tucci's show. What's it called?
0: Taste of Italy, right?
1: Taste of Italy? I don't know. <laughs> we love that show. Whatever that show Stanley is called. Stanley Tucci
0: Goes to Italy is a big hit in our house, okay?
1: But it's like the friends, in my opinion, of traveling shows. But I think Anthony Bourdain invented this style of show he's yeah. the best at it it's a little bit edgier not all episodes are as palatable as the tucci, tucci show, show yeah but i think it's so awesome and i was shocked that your mom had never heard of anthony bourdain before this right trip or wasn't as familiar with him
0: yeah she knew who he was but wasn't uh so familiar with him
1: so we were having her watch the show <laughs> And we we, were
0: the friends people that sit you down and watch
1: for your reaction. But we were thinking, oh, she'd enjoy it. And the first one she was kind of into when he went to Helsinki. But we were like, okay, this episode isn't a normal episode. This is more of a gross episode. (laughs) And then the next episode, he went to Tijuana. But it was kind of a weird episode, too. Well, the
0: thing is, my mom had one of the most horrible experiences in her life with food in tijuana yes many years ago 30 years ago because she like almost died like actually she was in the hospital with terrible food poisoning (laughs) so she (laughs) she couldn't look at any of these dishes and think they were appetizing because all she could think of was her experience
1: so and and so that not only is she kind of like reminded of that (laughs) she wants to tell her story being in tijuana through the episode yeah And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's hear the Tijuana story. Interesting story. But then the next night, it was, okay, let's find a really good episode. And I'm talking to you like, let's find a really good episode so they can fall in love with Bourdain, Mm -hmm. your parents. And then a little bit in, she goes, you know what? I like Stanley Tucci better than (laughs) Bourdain. And I'm like what? No, I'm like my worst nightmare is happening. <laughs> what was yeah, she, she was saying? like,
0: because she was saying how Tucci is really good at highlighting the chefs, so that people they like know who they're supporting and what they're getting into. And
1: <laughs> so was- I'm like, what? I just cut her off. I'm like, what? <laughs> Bourdain invented that. <laughs> like I'm like yelling. And I'm like kind of drunk too. And I'm very sick and ill. And everyone's like, okay, let's watch it. Let's watch it. And me you, and
0: my dad just keep yeah, trying to yeah. press play.
1: And you give me like the you're becoming my ex-boyfriend <laughs> look. Like you bulge your eyes. And you you hit play. And, and I I'm gave like,
0: you a smack yeah. on the knee.
1: And I'm like, stop. No, pause it. And I pause it. Like and I, I say like, no, he invented it. He started doing. He does this way more, and everyone's just like, (laughs) okay, and just watches it. But anyway, that was my moment. And uh, do I regret it? I don't know because I feel like I only do this stuff with people I really love and I'm comfortable with, like all my closest friends Mm -hmm. and family. And you know, I used to watch you and your mom kind of have have little bickers.
0: Okay, well, and now I
1: feel like I'm as close to your mom as you are
0: so right. you feel closer to my mom through this experience
1: because i'm comfortable enough to bicker with her
0: and now i'm curious how do you think her opinion of you has changed if at all because of this experience do you <sighs> think she respects you less Yes, <laughs> yeah.
1: but i think she's probably like he's a little persnickety at things like you know there might be that like little pillow talk that be between john I'm like yeah what
0: was wrong with shane tonight a, he's a
1: strange cat but Definitely I think it's like uh ooh I've gotten to know Shane a little bit more. And <laughs> and he might be persnickety and weird when it comes to pop culture things. Well,
0: and you know what? Maybe the you know, worst-case scenario, you gave them something to talk about and make fun of us about cuz you know how like sometimes, you know, just in bed at night, it's like, "Oh, what about that one person what they were doing? That was weird." Yeah. You know, you just gave them bedtime fodder. But
1: you know what? I might be talking about Lorna, how she thinks the Tooch is better than <laughs> Bourdain. I stand by that.
0: I like Bourdain better, but I still love Tooch's show. I okay. did. Okay. I could nobody could hear me over the two of you.
1: <laughs> no, it was mostly me. I, I always like this is my thing I've got a horrible thing where I need to prove the dumbest points.
0: Well are we gonna hear are we gonna hear a formal apology on the pod then?
1: Well, if your mom comes on the pod, we'll see.
0: No, I mean right now through the mic.
1: How can your mom apologize to me if...
0: (laughs) (laughs) What? I'm sorry, Shane.
1: Yeah. But the fact that I acknowledge it makes me less weird.
0: So it makes you not culpable at all?
1: No, less weird though. (laughs) I'm still culpable. (laughs) Um... Who do you think would be the first family member of mine that mm-hmm. you could get into a squabble with? Because in my mind, I think I know it, but I'm not sure if you'd agree.
0: Maybe your sister.
1: That's a good one.
0: What? Because well, you
1: changed my mind. Well, I, I we, think we've was...
0: kind of we've kind of almost been there. Like we've kind of almost been there before. Yeah. But wait, who 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 was gonna be your first answer for me?
1: I was gonna say Roseanne. <laughs> Just because of sheer time spent together, I'm like, if you mm. play the odds and yeah, but there might said, be some parenting thing
0: yeah and you know here's the thing like Roseanne too i think and if she's listening i mean she she might be able to say yes or no but uh i think that maybe i have been short with her like if i've been stressed or out of sleep because she's here she's here so have often ever,
1: have you ever said shut up rosie
0: <laughs> no i love rosanne here's the thing Roseanne is so like jake she's so agreeable and i think it would be impossible to get in yeah. a squabble with her
1: Yeah, Tiff's the easiest to fight with. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Sister Tiff, brother Jake's cool. That's funny because when I just met your family, I was predicting who the first person I'd get in the squabble with. Mm
0: -hmm. Jake. Oh, Jake? Really?
1: Well, he was like, I felt like he would be very opinionated and he's not the type to really change his mind Mm -hmm. over anything. But he's very agreeable. He's very agreeable. Yeah, anything... Anything, if I say something that's just ridiculous or mm-hmm. something that he doesn't agree with, he'll be like, oh, yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Last
1: thing I want to talk about is there's a blippy imposter out there.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes. I've been wanting to talk about this, forgot about this. Blippy imposter right now. Before you do anything, as you're listening to this podcast, pull up TikTok. Download TikTok if you don't have it. Go to Blippy's TikTok. B-L-I-P-P-I. It's the official Blippy one. There's a
1: blue check mark there. B-L-I-P-P-I. And I saw people saying, oh, Blippy's now on TikTok. So I wanted to see what he does. Largely this the man annoys me. But I wanted <laughs> to see what his TikTok was you like. You respect him. And then there's this guy. I'm like, yeah, that's Blippy. Wait, no. That looks like a lot like Blippy, though. That's a great impersonator. But why would there be a blippy impersonator? Then I start watching all the videos. I'm like, it's another blippy impersonator. Then once we got home from the cottage, it was just on my mind ruminating. So I Google it. What's up with Blippi? So apparently Blippi, he makes a lot of money shooting his YouTube show, mm-hmm. but he wanted to go on tour. Much right. like there's a show called Blue's Clues where the show would replace uh, its host every few years. Yeah, yeah. But Blippi wanted to do that. So he wanted to continue what? to shoot his show, his YouTube show, which makes him a lot of money. And still be able to go on tour, but hire somebody who's pretty much identical to him, has that same annoying voice, that affectation he puts on, wears the glasses and is just a white guy who looks like Blippi. But parents started freaking out and demanding refunds because they would say Blippi live on tour and it wouldn't say clearly that it's an impersonator. Oh.
0: Oh, wait, I was confused. So he would hire the impersonator for the shows.
1: This same guy would do oh the live God. shows for Blippy and in very small writing would say, This is not actually Blippy. So now they say it in larger print because parents had a freak out. Three, of course. Three year olds were, were hawkeyeing and saying, That's not Blippy. Of
0: course. Lucy would know.
1: But it does. It's a great impersonator. It looks so much like him. Wow. Anyway, Blippy has now somehow employed this guy just for TikTok. And I'm thinking, You do the YouTube show this is like seven second videos just do the tiktok but you and i both know how hard tiktoks can be so
0: of course but it's like he he can even make tiktoks just from seven second snippets of a show it's not like a three-year-old is going to be dying for new content you could Mm -hmm. recycle that stuff it's it's bizarro blippy like you need to see it it's it's very odd
1: it is but i just wanted to put that on the radar maybe people could have a laugh if they i'm sure everyone listening knows who blippy is
0: no it's fascinating
1: but yeah, let's get to our first interview with you. Who's it going to be today?
0: So we are going to go with Dr. Cindy Huffington first.
1: Dr. C- Cindy Huffington. I know this was a great convo because I could hear it in the other room and you were having such a great time and mm. then afterwards you're like, that was such a great interview. <laughs> so we're going to get to this, but before, let's let everyone know who we are supported by.
0: We are supported by Mabel's labels. Frustrated by their children's things getting lost, mixed up, and leaving home never to return, Julie Cole and three other mom friends knew they could do better than just scribbling their kids' names on masking tape. From there, an award-winning, market-leading company loved by moms and dads and kids alike was born. Lucy loves our Mabel's Labels products because some of her labels, you know, they're in the shapes of hearts or ponies or have cherries or hedgehogs on them. And she gets to help me out with the process and sits with me online. And we get to customize everything to her liking. Shane and I love the products because their entire line, which features baby bottle labels, allergy and medical alert products, sports labels, household labels, and seasonal items are so durable.
1: And if you do find a way to ruin it somehow, they'll replace it, it's guaranteed. Yeah, but so it, do your worst.
0: <laughs> but you won't do your worst in the laundry, the dishwasher, and the microwave because, of course, these products are all safe in them. And it, they really are amazing.
1: I think it has to be within reason, too. Within right? reason.
0: Yeah. Like you can't take an axe to a label.
1: Or a blowtorch to a label.
0: Right? So not guaranteed under those insane circumstances. That would circumstances. be too
1: laborious. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So head over to MabelsLabels.ca to start creating your very own labels and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15 for 15% off your order. They deliver internationally and offer free standard shipping in Canada and in the U.S. Again, that is MabelsLabels.ca and ThisFamilyTree15.
1: And now let's get to our interview with
0: Dr. Cindy Hovington. Thanks so much for... Coming on the show tonight. I am very excited to be talking to you. It's gonna be a fun conversation. Oh my gosh, yeah. And yeah, the first thing, so of course, uh is Dr. Cindy, Cindy, Dr. Lovington. Oh, Cindy. Yeah,
2: Cindy. I don't know. I've always struggled with that to be honest. Like only the day that I became like a doctor because of my PhD. Like, I, I just, everybody had to call
0: me doctor on that day. But then after that, I just, I, I, I don't know. It's weird. I'm not comfortable with it. I don't know. <laughs> you work for it. It's like the doctor yeah, evil thing. Like, I didn't go to six years of evil medical school <laughs> to be called Mr. I <laughs> I say you work for it. You demand it.
2: Yeah, I, I know. Well, once in a while. But now <laughs> I'm just Cindy. <laughs> okay.
0: So, Cindy, the first thing I'm so fascinated by, and it doesn't really have to do with the topics that I want to get into Tonight, but it's you personally. So you are a neuroscientist Mm -hmm. and you started doing that and then stay at home mom and now the founder of the curious neuron. And I was just hoping you could kind of guide me along that journey because that's a lot of big decision making.
2: Oh yeah, actually thinking about all that brings me the stress, it brings the stress back. But yeah, I I was doing a postdoctoral degree at McGill um, and I, I did a doctorate degree in neuroscience. And then I went into education because I was studying schizophrenia and most of the patients we were seeing were young and were still in school. And I became interested in how mental um, health or illnesses impact how you learn. So I went into the education department. And during that postdoctoral degree, I um, got pregnant with my first. And um, I mean, I had been married for so long. And my whole family was like, when are you going to have kids? Like, stop going to school. <laughs> and then during that sort of went, while I was pregnant, because um, you can't get uh, mat leave while you're a student. You can't. No. Oh, I'm no. sorry.
0: I was like, of course, sorry. Yeah. I miss no, her. And I was shocked.
2: Yeah. Okay. So, but you yeah. can't, no, you can't okay. exactly. Yeah. So, but I, I I wanted to finish the work that I was doing. So I was doing that full-time during pregnancy and got a full-time job at the hospital to work with patients and, and in research and started Kyrgyzner on at the same time, because I needed that as my backup plan <laughs> 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 because I had already started contemplating leaving research um, not because uh, I, I I didn't like it, but because I had brought up the idea to to some professors, you know, of like taking more than six months off because in research everything moves so quickly, and they kind of laughed at it and said, you know, you need to make a decision. Do you want a career in academia or do you want to have kids and stay home and play games? <laughs> And I I am like what well, I do want to stay home and play games with my kids because those years are gonna yeah. pass by so quickly. So I left research I, I wow. that was the first big decision of my career I had actually gone accepted into Harvard to work with a professor in the mind brain and education department and I just said goodbye to everything and wow. decided that this was right for me At the same time I had a grandfather who was very ill so I, I just it just felt right although it was made me super nauseous thinking about it but I, I did it. And, And it worked out for the better, I think, because then I got to be home with my kids. I have three now a one, a three, and a five year old. And I started the blog of Curious Neuron after I had my second. And then that kind of skyrocketed uh, because Janet Lansbury shared one of my posts. And that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Like within, the fur- the, within the first couple of months. And that just blew up from like 23 people <laughs> every oh single month, the 23 people that I knew <laughs> that I was forcing to visit my blog. <laughs> and, and then it just became like thousands of people from nowhere. And then I continued it and started collaborating with clinicians and researchers. And now I have a business that just started out of a hobby. So I, I'm really grateful for that.
0: And I get to be home, play, and and work. (laughs) No, that's amazing. And I mean, to have Janet Lansbury, you know, say – check this out. That's huge. Cause she is kind of like it when it comes to anything in parenting. That's amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I cried that day.
0: <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I would. I was like, Oh my gosh, I have her books. Did your husband get it? Did he realize what a big deal she was? Yeah.
2: He got it because I went to get the books. <laughs> I'm like this girl, this author, that's how I'm raising our
0: kids. And that's what I'm teaching you. <laughs> no, that's amazing. That is so yeah. amazing. So I'm curious, is it like You know, because you were saying research moves so fast. So is it like a one-way ticket if you want to choose to stay home for a while? It's like there's really no hope in going back, even if you wanted to? I can't go
2: back at this point. It's been too long. Because it's so fast. And I think the academic world, they have their own rules. And I I get that. And that's okay. But that's why I started the blog, because Mm. I I missed academia. I I love reading research articles and trying to see what I could pull out of it. And then I was a parent. So at that point, I said, okay, what I had learned in, in my PhD was schizophrenia but mental health but also cognitive abilities and emotions because that's those are the parts i was studying Mm -hmm. and i said this applies to me now as a parent because i i understand cognitive abilities but how can i use that information and create activities and games for my kids and how can i parent them and i had no idea that there was so much research around parenting itself like different styles and the way you speak to your child and the way you act around your child And that, so I started blogging about that and that kept me engaged in the research. And I, you know, I started my podcast as well, where I would reach out to clinicians and researchers and continue these conversations. So I'm really grateful that I've been able to continue doing what I love and Mm -hmm. I'm making it applicable to what I do. And as a mom of three, I want to know what's going out there, you know, what's happening in research. I want to know what's recent and we'll read the book, sure. But things are changing so quickly. You know, we we might learn something new within the next couple of months. And that's my goal. My goal is to help parents by summarizing this research and providing resources for them.
0: No, it, it's amazing. And it's an incredibly necessary and helpful thing to be doing i mean for me to sit there and try to make sense of all that research of all those papers is a headache you know and especially with two kids running around i'm not gonna do that so to have somebody who is knowledgeable and who does have the ability to sift through that research know what is good know what's properly peer-reviewed things like that mm-hmm. it, it truly is so helpful and and i love the curious neuron for that it is so helpful and okay this this is a layperson's question please don't laugh at me for asking no. What's the difference between a neuroscientist and neurologist? Because I know another neuroscientist, and I always just assume she was a neurologist. No, so
2: I, I don't. I don't operate. I don't work in in a, in a hospital. I don't work with patients. So I worked with patients as a researcher to understand Mm -hmm. what's going on. You might have a neuroscientist that works with a neurologist to inform them about something or some research, but I don't deal directly with patients uh, to treat them. I I just, what I I was doing before was just understanding what's going on Mm -hmm. um, so that we could inform the the medical world, but we don't. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So Dr. researcher, essentially.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're you're a doctor of neuroscience. You're a doctor, okay. uh, you know, not a doctor a practicing physician. I'm not a physician, just a, a research doctor.
0: Perfect. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when you were working, so you were kind of specializing in schizophrenia and how that impacted kids' ability to learn. But now that you are – you know, doing this in a different capacity, like you're kind of doing research in a different different capacity. What would you say you're kind of specializing in now just from your own interest? Yeah. So now it's been seven years of reading about parenting and
2: child development. And um, so that's my focus now. I, mm-hmm. I don't do research in, in hospitals or labs anymore. Um, all I do is read articles and I, I summarize them for parents. And I, I search for what's relevant to child development, brain development, um, right now, I'm really, uh, I've am really i been posting a lot about mental health in, in mothers and in fathers. A lot of people didn't realize that postpartum depression and anxiety was also something a father can have. Um, so I'm preparing an entire week of posts on that um, before Father's Day. Basically, the goal of Curious Neuron is that for me to provide you with the information you need to make decisions, mm-hmm for your child to help support their their brain development and their well-being. And, you know, originally when I started Curious Neuron, all I did was, you know, post about a child's brain development, mm-hmm. what, what it looks like and what age, how can we support it? But then after becoming a parent and speaking with parents, I realized that a big part of parenting has nothing to do with our child. <laughs> it's it's us. It's all about us. And that's when I started, you know, when my first was around two, three I was like, Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> I could know everything I need to know about like how to help you, but nobody's helping me. And that's not helping me help you. Yeah. <laughs> so then curious neuron became more of parenting and child development, because if I don't talk about parental mental health, then I can't provide you with all, everything you need for parenting. So it's, it covers a lot.
0: Well, let's get into that. Let's start. I was going to start elsewhere, but let's start at that (laughs) point because honestly, it's fascinating. And even you bring up the fact that fathers can get postpartum depression. So we figured that out. We read it, I think, in a study or in an article like a few months back and talked about it briefly, just Shane and I. And it is so stressful because Shane thinks he was going through some kind of PPD, Mm -hmm. Um, and it was mostly stress induced because we do have a lot of work going on at home as well, but can you talk to us a little about that? Like, does it present the same way that postpartum depression would present in women? No, it doesn't. So I, I'm just starting to dig into that literature,
2: but it does not present itself in the same way in, in some similar ways, but part of it has to do with how a man externalizes stuff and how they, they not perceive their emotions, but we, we don't do it the same way. Irritability will present itself, you know, similarly between men and women. And that's why sometimes postpartum depression and, and anxiety is so hard to recognize because you might just attribute it to being tired and, you know, you're just irritable, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it's a lot more than that. And anything that touches upon mental health, what the general rule is, is if you're not able to function, if it's affect, if it's affecting your daily functioning, you know, relationships in your in your environment, um, which would happen, you know, with postpartum depression or anxiety, then it's time to speak to somebody because, you know, you might need cognitive behavioral therapy for it or you might mm-hmm. need medication for it, but you can't do it alone. and And yeah, so that's a big part of it. So and then the outcome of that is very different between men and women in the sense that the what there was a study that I summarized today and I I want to dig deeper into that one as well but a man who has postpartum depression will have children a couple years later that will have more behavioral issues than when the mom has postpartum depression right um so with mothers there will be behavioral issues but with dads the behavioral issues are, are are greater and more so in their sons than their daughters so it's there is a difference that there's a difference between how a, a, a male will a father will express himself the
0: emotions so yeah it's um that's why i think we need to talk about it a lot more like what is the likelihood of you know your child having behavioral issues if one of the parents does have postpartum depression like what what's the likelihood that it will impact them because you think of your kids being so young when that happens Right. So yeah. Yeah. What, what is that likelihood? I don't, I don't know the percentage yet. I'm hoping to find something next week that I could
2: present. And that's, what's interesting because the the study that I was looking at this week, the fathers had postpartum soon after the delivery of their child and you would think, but the child is so young. What difference does it make that I'm going through a depression that the mom is like, how does that impact the child? And it's because it's everything. It falls back into the first thousand days studies. And there are tons of studies looking at, there's organizations that look at this first thousand days from, moment of, from the moment of conception until your child's second birthday, because that is the period in a child's life where there's the greatest growth in, in neurons and in, in the brain. So What happens is that when we are depressed or anxious we are not responding the same way to our child we are not giving them as much eye contact we are not um, holding them as much we're not creating that attachment and during those first thousand days is when you want to build that attachment and whether it's a mom or a dad you might not feel the same connection to your child if you're going through mental health issues which is why it's important to speak to somebody as soon as possible. And something we don't realize is that it could present itself. I'm not sure if this is the same for men, but in women, it could present itself anywhere up to a year later after giving birth to your child. So although on average is four to six weeks after delivery, you could start being anxious or feel depressed mm-hmm. a year later and attribute it to something else, something external, when it could be postpartum. So it's, that's why you know if we have a support group or somebody we can speak to, at least, at least to say, you know, something's off and I don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. even for myself. So my kids are really close in age and I nursed each one up until I delivered the next one. Oh God. <laughs> a, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, people, that, that sounds the, exhausting. Don't do that. <laughs> but, but it ended up that I nursed for five and a half years Jeez. straight <laughs> and I just stopped in February. And then Congrats. in March... Thanks. I had yeah, I had my little party with a glass of wine. Good. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> in March, so maybe three-ish weeks later, all of a sudden, I I didn't want to play anymore with my kids because I'm home with them mm-hmm. during the day, and I didn't feel like cooking. I was never. I kept saying to my husband like, "I'm I'm sorry. I'm just not feeling like I don't feel like cooking today." And and then it sort of continued into. I don't feel like getting out of bed today. Or mm. I don't feel like talking to my friends, my, you know, my friends calling. I'm not going to answer today. And then it's like little things that you don't realize because it's kind of, I don't know, you, you think you're tired or you're having a rough day, but then those days turn into a few weeks and then you're crying as well. And I was like, what's going on? Like, am I just really tired? Am I, yeah. I work at night. So I'm like, okay, I've been working too much. Maybe like this is I'll sleep then you're sleeping and then you're like, no, there's still something off. And I hadn't realized that I forget what the term is, but there's some sort of after nursing, when you, once you stop, your hormones are shifted. And even somebody who's studying mental health, I didn't know that at that particular time, something had happened Mm -hmm. and it lasted for a few weeks and luckily it went away, but I just put myself in the mindset of somebody who's experiencing this after giving birth. And you're like, I should be happy right now. I should be fully in love with this child. But instead, every time they cry, I just want to block my ears and I get it, you know, and and that's why it's important when you do feel that something's off that you speak to somebody about it.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I didn't know that that was a thing either, like getting the blues when you finish breastfeeding. But when I finished breastfeeding, so I have a three-year-old and a, a one-year-old almost. And when I finished breastfeeding my three-year-old, it was at like eight, 18 months or something. It was right when I was trying to get pregnant with my youngest. yeah. And in the weeks that followed after I stopped, oh my gosh, like I was not myself. I was crying. I was irritable. And I was like, what is this? What am I going through? Because honestly, I hadn't heard anything of it. Like I had heard of baby blues and postpartum, but I didn't know that when you stop breastfeeding and, – and it's so hormonal. And I mean, you know, you think of what we go through in pregnancy, postpartum, when we saw breastfeeding, it's so much, but what is it that's causing these men to suffer postpartum? So, the, uh, uh, previous, uh, depression
2: or anxiety in, in them genetics, if there's a family member. And also the, there was a study that showed if your spouse is experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety, the male, the father has a higher chance of, of having it. I'm I i do not know exactly why but I, I mean again it's not just you know somebody said it in, in an interesting way this week they said we we have the shock of like delivering and then the baby's there but for a father it's like nothing 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 happened like they don't <laughs> and then
0: boom yeah,
2: no, Exactly. <laughs> but it, it's only when they said that it, it clicked I'm like yeah there's this whole newness and it's like they yeah we carry the baby and then they're just like oh OK, it's in my arms. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and there's it's so it's not just about like the hormones that we go through, the hormone changes that we go through. But it's that newness. It's that new environment. It's the brain has to kind of adjust to it. And, you know, holding your baby um, releases, you know, oxytocin and make that like hormone of love. And sometimes it doesn't. And you need time to bond. And mm-hmm. same thing happens with fathers the more a father holds their baby the the more that their homo- hormones are released in terms of connecting and creating that attachment and then we can get into post uh you know maternity leaves and paternity leaves luckily yeah. here and I'm, I'm from montreal yeah kind of a french accent but the you know we're lucky here i've been posting about this on social media and it's in, it's so crazy to me
0: that some people are off for two weeks, like moms are off. I don't. I couldn't even walk properly after two weeks. I couldn't drive. That's for sure. Yeah. And they're going to work. (laughs) It infuriates me whenever I hear it. And whenever I have somebody in our, you know, our community for this family tree and they speak about their maternity leave and how little it was, or even women in Canada who are uh, self-employed because then you, you don't have one. Right. And it's so difficult. And then, you know, I think a father's last because, of course, they're not the ones giving birth in some way, either vaginally or through major surgery, C-section. And it's it's all difficult. But then the fathers, I think you make such a good point of, you know, it's nothing, nothing, nothing. Sure, they see our stomachs growing. Sure, they might come to an appointment or two. In COVID, they can't come to any appointments. Like Shane couldn't come to yeah. any of my appointments. I can't even imagine how hard yeah. And uh it's And then the baby's there. So I get that, and that is a shock, and it reminds me of prior to getting pregnant with Betty, who was my youngest, I had a miscarriage, and like I was – you know, I went through waves. I'd be distraught, and then I'd be happy and fine, and then I'd be upset again, but he was like pretty unaffected. He was sad because I was sad, but he was pretty unaffected, and it's the same reason, right? It's because they don't feel – the things going on, they don't really have to see the things that are going on, especially when you miscarry, and it's it's just it's a different experience, and that experience isn't talked about very often. No,
2: no, it isn't, and it really should be spoken about, you know, a lot more. And a mother was telling me that when she was um, at her baby's first appointment with the pediatrician, the pediatrician only spoke to her when the dad was sitting right beside her, and he never he never addressed the father.
3: That's right, and hard. you know.
2: It's hard. And I think that as a society and as, you know, the, the, the health system, just a simple question to the mom and the dad, Mm -hmm. how are you feeling? Are you experiencing ABC symptoms and a simple, you know, maybe speak to somebody just that can make a big difference. And it's, yeah. But it's we're not there yet.
0: No, absolutely, absolutely, we're not there yet. I mean, I don't even know if guys talk about that within their own friend groups, you know, like, oh, how are you feeling since baby, things like that. It's always, oh, how's, you know, your wife or your girlfriend or your partner, whatever. But that is – that's such an interesting take. And, you know, along the lines of mental health, I, I want to ask you about – when, I mean, geez, we've been living COVID for a year. So we, Quebec, you guys are pretty strict too, I think, or you have been. Yeah, we
2: just, we had a curfew since January and it That's just wild. Got removed last week.
0: Yeah, and we're still, yeah. we're still pretty much in lockdown. And like, yeah. I, I have lupus, so we've been in a very, just my family, we've been pretty strict since last March. <laughs> so it's been, it's been a, a long, long time. Yeah. And you think about parents, right? Like everybody's stressed. Not only are they trying to work from home, they're doing childcare at home. There's a global pandemic. They're with their partner, they're with their kids constantly, and there's no there's nothing to look forward to, right? So there's a lot of stress, and I could even say this from within our own household. There's a lot of stress constantly.
3: Mm-hmm. But
0: I know that stress or parents arguing can have an impact on kids' emotions and their behavior. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And if you could kind of explain that to me, what happens to children when they're constantly seeing their parents in distress or arguing?
2: Yeah, let's start, I guess, with infants, because, you know, I I had written an article on my blog a while ago, but I said, you know, try to refrain from arguing in front of a baby, because even though they don't understand the words, they feel the emotions, they feel the stress, there are lots of studies that show that their cortisol levels, so their stress hormone, is increased when we're arguing in front of them, and even while they're sleeping. Even if you think they don't hear, um, there are studies showing that heart rate and breathing rates are, are increased while we're yelling and they're sleeping. Wow! But I, you know, I don't want to say that to add more stress <laughs> to parents because I know that the past year has been crazy, but. It, it's, you know, everything I talk about with Kirsten on is for education. So now that we know that, can we try to shift things in the home or, you know, speak more calmly to each other? And, you know, because if we move now along and, and say like, what if we have a toddler in the house, they, the most, one of the most common questions I received the past year was how is my child going to build social emotional skills if they're not seeing other kids? Mm-hmm. And my response to that is they're looking at you, they're looking at you and your spouse. So besides the stress, the way that we are speaking to each other in front of our children is showing them how to speak to others, their social behaviors. The way that we are controlling or not controlling our emotions is showing them how to control or not control their emotions. So mm-hmm. if we're yelling at them more, the greatest impact that stress will have is how we interact with their child and how we, we speak and, be, and, and behave with them as well. So if we are yelling at them more often because we are stressed, then we are not showing them what emotion regulation is, which is when I'm mad, I don't have to yell. I could speak to you. And then the consequence of that is, well, they won't learn the tools that they need. So when they're frustrated, they might yell and scream and have a tantrum versus them remembering, okay, mommy or daddy, they take a deep breath or they even walk away. You know? So I I think when it comes to all this kind of stress that we've all had this past Mm. year, it's, it's hard because it's not going to go away just because I said this <laughs> going to go away tomorrow. And some people might be listening and saying, thanks, Cindy,
0: go <laughs> or you have the
3: guilt. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's where I am now. <laughs> But yeah, you know, like that's not going to make everything go away. However, if we slowly start to work on ourselves and be aware of it, you know, we can have a goal of, um, uh, setting a goal of saying, okay, I'm not, I, I, I'm aware. I heard this now on, on the family tree mm. podcast and I need to work <laughs> on my yelling. And here's the goal, you know, in the next month, I want to decrease my yelling from, you know, 10 times a day to six times a day, you know, mm. something that's reasonable. It's not that we're never going to yell, even for me as a neuroscientist and, and knowing the impact of this kind of environment around our kids this past year again was a, a little different so there was more yelling however, on a general level there isn't yelling in the house mm-hmm. but there are moments when it happens. So I think we, I don't want parents to put pressure on themselves for, for perfection because it's impossible so mm-hmm. let's let's leave that let, let's leave that idea at <laughs> the door. Um, but just kind of being aware of it and, and working on yourself, I started journaling this year, I started seeing a therapist because you know the way that we were parented, has a way of creeping up yeah <laughs> when we are a parent and you might say to yourself i will never yell at my kid because <laughs> my parents yelled at me or i'm going to be my kid's best friend <laughs> because my parents you know weren't my friends and it was just i was raised in that sort of environment they call it in, in research authoritarian right where it's like i'm your parent and what i say goes and exactly. i'm not your friend. exactly <laughs> uh, But I was raised by a single mom and she did the best she could. And she would always, this line that I remember is I'm both the mom and the dad. So I, you know, I nurture, but then I set the rules and I was like, okay. (laughs) And I always told myself there was no way I was going to do that. But then, (laughs) then I did it. Um, So I, the stress has a way of changing how we parent. Mm -hmm. And if we stick to the kind of parenting that research says leads to, better social emotional skills and, and higher academics because they learn how to problem solve through their emotions and social.
0: Even, even from us arguing in front of kids that could impact their, their academics.
2: So because it's the bigger picture, right? So arguing if it's happening once in a while and they see resolve an issue together, then that's a good thing, right? But if we are bickering at each other and calling each other names and, and disrespecting each other, that's a very different story Mm -hmm. so it's not that having an argument in front of our kids is a bad thing but it's the bigger picture if Mm -hmm. if we are doing this every day if every time I'm mad I yell if every time my spouse is mad he yells at me we disrespect each other then that's leading to how we're going to speak to our kids too because if we're mad at our spouse I don't know if it's ever happened to you (laughs) but <laughs> you have this little kind of this little sort of argument that is really meaningless. Yeah. But you're mad about it, and it's it's there in the back of your brain. <laughs> As it always And then does. you're. Yeah. And then your child does something or has a tantrum, and then you yell at them, and you're like, "Oh, that wasn't what they did. Wasn't was was really bad in the end." Yeah. So that's why I say that it's a bigger picture, and the stress ends up impacting how we mm-hmm. interact with our child because it's going to come out by us yelling at them, and then. We we won't be there. We're supposed to be empathetic towards them and and sensitive and set boundaries, but we're going to, all that's going to go out the window because of the stress. So yes, our stress can impact how our child develops in the sense that, you know, it's going to increase their stress. It's going to impact their social emotional skills, but that's, when you look at the research, it's, it's at a very intense level. It's, it's Mm -hmm. when there's verbal or physical abuse in the home or abandonment or neglect, but at a level that we are at if hopefully if it's respectful and and not too frequent and it leads to conversations and dealing with social skills in terms of i didn't appreciate the way you did this you know that kind of argument that's healthy for a child because then they're going to learn social skills from it
0: and how do we repair so if we do just say there's a couple and they're arguing in front of their kid how do they repair so that you know, to mitigate any negative effects. Repair between each other or with the child? Well, like with the child, like how can the, really as, as a unit, I, I'm kind of yeah. imagining this, right? Like but
2: together, right. The, you know, I don't think there's a young, it's, I don't think the child is ever too young to have a family meeting. Okay. <laughs> we, yeah. we started doing it when their kids were about two and a half, I think three. And we would say, okay, family meeting. All right. So we would keep it simple because they were young, but (laughs) one good thing and one bad thing. (laughs) And then they would say like, well, you didn't give me ice cream yesterday. (laughs) And it's like, okay, that's the bad thing. And then one good thing they would say like, oh, I liked playing soccer. I liked doing so." Okay. And then we would do, my husband and I would have the same conversations at their level, but in front of them. And if something happened or we could do it at that moment too. It's okay for, you know, let's say it was before dinner and you're having dinner and you could say sorry to the person if your kids are very young. Um, showing connection, your hand around them, a hug, a kiss. They're going to see, you know, mommy and daddy were mad about five minutes ago, but now they're they're hugging and, oh, I think it's okay. So even if they're very young, they're seeing that repair. And then if they're a little bit older, you can have the conversations, you know, with them uh, in terms of you know, sometimes we don't agree and, and, and that's OK, because they're going to see that between you two with your child. Right. They're, you might not agree with something they did and they'll understand that that's part of social development. Um, so seeing you repair that together as a couple is very healthy for them.
0: No, that's, that's good. See, that's good. It's healthy to have uh, some disagreements and is, yeah. <laughs> can be very detrimental to have big blow ups. So yeah. always <laughs> respectful. That's what I tell parents, you know, like, obviously,
2: again, we've been st- <laughs> we've been stuck in a house. <laughs> Isn't there this rule of not working with your spouse? I don't know. Right. But, you know, like, you know, but we're all we've been working with our spouses oh for gosh. over a year and with our kids. My kids don't go to daycare. So, you know, sometimes I, I, I drive around and just come back because you need to breathe and we haven't been able to breathe. Yeah. Um, but what I've learned this past year is for me, breathing used to be, you know, calling my best friend, Christine and saying, okay, it's seven o'clock and in half an hour, you need to meet me at a coffee shop because it's been a bad day. But now, now, you know, that break is I'm stepping outside mm-hmm. And I'll be back in in a couple minutes because I I need to take a breather because all three kids have been yelling all day and and you know, um and some people don't have that kind of luxury I guess mm-hmm. to step out either, um and I always say like if the kids are safe in a crib in a somewhere and something contained you you can be in the bathroom for a little longer if you need to you know like it's you I mean we need to keep our breath
0: absolutely well when I when I had my daughter Lucy I had postpartum anxiety for. You know, a little while there. And I would always advocate for hey, put the baby in the crib, let them cry for 10 minutes. If you haven't showered, like, no excuse as a mom to put showering off, to put self care off, because you can just toss that kid in the crib, let them cry for 10 minutes, (laughs) and just go and just stand in the shower, let the water run on you, wash your hair, do those things that make you more human. And and it it's so helpful. It is so helpful. And uh yeah, as long as long as everybody's safe, then just take that second to breathe. Yeah. Because if yeah,
2: if if you're not okay, Mm. your child won't be okay. No, absolutely. You
0: have to. It's that whole
2: analogy to the mask, right? The the oxygen mask on the plane. And it's true, it applies to parenting. Yeah.
0: Yep. Mm. Uh now moving on, that was amazing. Uh, (laughs) but I want to talk about I want to talk about screens. Okay, because, you know, we're getting into pandemic stuff and there's the stress, there's the arguing. And the other thing that is a kind of a pandemic constant, as much as I hate to admit, but listeners know this about uh, me, but we've had the TV on more than usual. Usually it's just a background thing. So Lucy will be playing around. She'll be going from room to room, toy to toy, whatever. And it's just kind of on in the background for when we're pausing to have a snack or something like that. However, I I mean, I have some friends, one neuroscientist friend who will die on the no TV hill. And I I have so much respect for that. And before I had my kid, I was like, this is going to be me. I'm going to be the no TV parent. It's going to be amazing. They're going to be so much smarter than all the other kids. And then life happens, and your no TV kid becomes a TV in the morning kid, or whatever. So, what are the implications of screen time? Okay, I don't know. Should I start with my neuroscientist
2: hat on, or my mom hat on?
0: No, let's go. No, I, I want the brass. I want the brass tacks oh, first. Yeah. Give me the neuroscientist hat. I want to know. I want to yeah. know how I'm screwing up. No, <laughs> no, no, no. And, and the, okay, okay, neuroscientist hat first. So according to the
2: American association of pediatrics, it should be zero screen time until the age of 18 months. And then after that, around two years old until five, I think it's about an hour a day of screen time. But so here's the thing, screen time doesn't include FaceTime or Skype or zoom. And the reason why I say that is because we talk a lot about like quality screen time. What is quality? What are quality TV shows to me? As an earth scientist wearing that hat right now, quality is not about baby Einstein or any other kind of TV show that is supposed to teach alphabets or that is not quality. Quality is when I think back to my days, uh, Mr. Dress Up, uh, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, slow pace because. If you think of when you're walking at night and you're looking into, like you see somebody watching TV, not in a, crazy, not in a creepy <laughs> way, but like you can see the flashes of light coming yeah. from their living room. <laughs>
0: Dr. Sydney so, Huffington doing her research, looking in people's windows. What are, they, what are they watching?
2: So when you see those flashes of lights, you see the different colors change and you mm-hmm. see it flash, 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 flash. And every flash that you see is a scene change. And what's happening is that when a child is watching a screen a tv show or a movie they're seeing those flashes um, and that's very fast most mm-hmm. of these tv shows are very fast and that's what's hyper stimulating the brain when you do that very young going back to those first thousand days the brain is developing so quickly that if you're hyper stimulating it there are studies showing that to excessive tv which there's no there's the the definitions i've seen is like I think three hours, I think one said even two, but two to three hours, let's say of screen time under the age of three, then that leads to a higher chance. So not a direct cause, but a higher chance of attentional problems. So Mm -hmm. not ADHD, but general attention problems. Um, So that's where they're at right now in the research. And and also the bigger picture is if a child isn't moving and they're watching TV, there's a higher chance of of obesity later on and, and so on my recommendations to parents is always what is your child missing out on with the amount of tv that or screen time that they're getting so right now with the pandemic lots of kids were zooming are mm-hmm. on zoom and and with family even my kids and that was kind of a break right if their grandparents yeah. were telling them a story i got to wash dishes that night so <laughs> and which is the reality but so things like that are okay because they're interacting they're they're connecting with family but if they've been in front of the tv they if they come back from daycare and they're in front of the tv from that time until bedtime then there's no interaction with you there was no movement there was no bonding there was no um, speaking you know so language development at that young age again three and younger so it's at that age three and younger that they kind of urge that we are careful with the screen time and as as a mom and, and a neuroscientist i always say there will be days that you perhaps need more and there will be days that you could maybe be mindful of it Mm -hmm. so that you could reduce it a little bit. But if it's every single day for X amount of hours where they're sitting, but you were saying, if it's in the background, Mm -hmm. then, you know, there's, there are some studies showing that the background noise can be overstimulating as well for a baby, but I, I, it's not strong enough to say that there are recommendations at this point. So just to be mindful, what's it replacing? Am I not speaking to my six-month-old because whenever they're awake, we're both watching TV or I'm watching TV and they're just kind of doing their tummy time and I'm not speaking to them. So to be aware of that. However, their brain isn't going to melt. <laughs>
0: because, <laughs> so that's a myth. <laughs>
2: you know, it, yeah, that's a big myth. You know, and, and that's that's my slowly taking off my neuroscientist <laughs> hat and becoming a mom and, and full disclosure, I, I was very strict on screen time with my first two. Um, my firstborn started getting screen time around the age of two and a half. And it was all like animal shows. Then I had my second and um, he started getting screen time closer to two. So it, it went mm-hmm. down a little bit. And then with my third, it was closer to 18 months. So mm-hmm. slowly I brought it down. But in our home right now, there are screen time rules for all of us that we have. So if somebody's listening and saying, yeah, I don't really have rules and that's a good place to start, you know, screen time rules for parents and for the kids. So they see that it's for everyone. And for us, the rules are no telephones at the dinner table ever. It stays on the counter. We don't look at our phone. If it rings, we answer it after dinner and then nothing in the bedrooms upstairs, Mm -hmm. nothing, no, no screens there. um, Because, you know, we, we, that's our time to put the kids to bed and to focus on them and that's it. During the day, obviously, my work has to do with um, Instagram and, and, and emails yeah. and stuff. So they understand that there are periods of time where I'm on my phone, but we have rules and they know their screen time right now, as all three of them, is like Wednesday morning, Friday morning um, for all of them. And then the older two get two afternoons of a movie and then maybe one weekend day, depending on what we're doing. So it's limited. But I included, you know. So just to be, you know, so that people know my, the rules in our home. But again, like I said, the brain doesn't melt. So that means <laughs> what I mean by that is, if a parent is listening and saying, "Oh man, I, I really like this is not what I was following in my house." Yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking right now, Cindy. Full <laughs> disclosure. Okay, okay. So now, now I'm going to talk to you as Cindy, the mom of three, and there, it's okay. know, <laughs> there, there are. It's what. What happens is I I try to say, be mindful of when you're using screen time and and kind of make a list. I'm all about journaling and noting everything when it comes to tantrums and behavior and even screen time. So are you using it when you need a break? That is a (laughs) non-negotiable. So divide when you're using screen time for when it's a negotiable and a non-negotiable. If it's every time you get in the car, then I would say that's a negotiable because you could... Change what you do. Change the habits that you have inside the car. You know, if a child is screaming and doesn't like car rides, like two out of three of mine don't like cars, then you could have like little sticker books or Melissa and Doug. We Mm -hmm. have, they have like little things that we use. Um, There's like these pads that you write on them. There, There are things that you could switch it for. And then, you know, so for your own sake of taking a break. We need that. If you're cleaning and you need a bit of time to get dinner done, that's okay. That's a non-negotiable. Don't, don't be hard on yourself. And if your child is young, then try to find something that is very um, slow, very slow paced. And the reason why something like Zoom and and uh, FaceTime isn't considered screen time is because right now we're looking at each other and we're not going... to. <laughs> Like, we're not moving super fast. We're not moving at all. So that's why for, it's not overstimulating for a child. So the, on YouTube, there are full episodes of Mr. Dress Up and Mr. Oh, Rogers' nice. Neighborhood and Fred Penner and, and all uh-huh. of those old TV shows. And if you think about it, you, like the camera would follow Mr. Rogers as he would like slowly mm-hmm. walk to his kitchen. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's why. And, and then they would sing songs. And also, when we speak to a baby we change how fast we, or we, we change the pace of how we speak to them. Right. So it's not like, Hey, how are you? A B C D E F G H I. it's, it's more like, hi, how are you? And when a TV show is speaking at a faster rate, that's not going to teach them how to speak because it's too fast. So these TV shows are a little slower and, and, you know, not that it's better, but if you have a moment, again, your child's brain will not melt. If you are pregnant. And I mean, I was there I was so sick <laughs> during my pregnancies. Yes. And it was like, I cannot function right now, literally crawling up the stairs yes, to get back to my kids. <laughs> that's when
0: that's when Lucy had the most TV time was when I was in the last half of my pregnancy and we were in pandemic and I was working and I was like, this has to happen. I, I don't know what else to do. I throw up if I walk too much and yeah. like it's, yeah. yeah.
2: And that's okay. And I want parents who are listening to this and saying like, I had that same experience as, as Alex it's Don't be hard on yourself. It's okay. Just develop habits now. You know, starting tomorrow or whatever it is. Have a journal and just write like, when am I using screen time? What are my negotiables and what are my non-negotiables? And in between screen time, am I stimulating my child? Am I supporting their brain development? Am I speaking to them at the dinner table? Are we having conversations? I had a screen-free challenge for my first podcast episode. Uh, I had a few parents who did it, and one parent within three days saw um, two changes. So behavior changes in her child, but they were, it was, um, I think a two-year-old that was watching two hours or more of TV a day. And she saw, so less tantrums and, um, she hadn't realized that her child wasn't playing pretend yet. Oh and, and that's why, so around 18 months, a child begins to play pretend. If, if we're not creating spaces of boredom, you know, for our child then they're not going to look around and use a banana as a telephone or grab a random object, and those skills are developing at that time. So if and that's why I say, what are we taking away when we're replacing with screen time? Mm-hmm. Um, are we afraid of our child being bored? And if we are, then I say turn that TV off. It's okay. They might whine. They might get upset at the beginning, but. It's so much better for them to be bored in the long run because they'll say, you know, let me figure out what to to do with these figurines or let me just put a couple blocks (laughs) one on top of the other because mom's like ignoring me
0: (laughs) and and that's okay. All right, Cindy, we're gonna take a quick break and let our listeners know that we are supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh believes in quality over quantity and they make the best basics that you can get your hands on for your littles. Fashionable wardrobe staples that are super soft, comfy and timeless and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender.
1: But to be honest, I don't think Lucy's ever giving up her Mini Miosh clothing.
0: No, it's funny because even the things that she has grown from when she was like two she's now putting on some of her dolls in her bed and not letting us put them away for Betty so she's very territorial I guess that's
1: passing it down still
0: kind of but you know I get why everything is knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and Lucy cares about that well I'm saying I care about this and this comes out in different ways but they use low impact and non-toxic dyes and they're on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it and they believe that every little bit counts. So if you want to check them out, you can find the company online at Minimiosh.com or at Minimiosh on Instagram and Facebook and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15 for 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the US and again that is Minimiosh.com and ThisFamilyTree15
1: But we are also supported by
0: Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes the most comfortable bras that you're going to wear that you're going to wear Shane how comfortable are they
1: so comfortable I've even been known to wear them have you no (laughs) but I was thinking what would be the most unlikely thing for me to say that would prove how comfortable they are and it just came to me I used to be an improv
0: You've seen me wear them and you felt them and they feel like butter. But Shane actually got me started on Bravado Designs when he was, you know, cruising through the aisles of women's nursing bras. Grabbed that one, took it home, and I've been hooked since. I used to use only the nursing collection, but now, excitingly, Bravado Designs has an everyday collection. And these bras do not have clips. They are regular bras for anybody else not just nursing mothers and you can get the collections at bravadodesigns.com and you can head to the canadian website for access to this everyday collection with no clips at ca.bravadodesigns.com but regardless of which website you go to use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off your order which is awesome Again that is bravadodesigns.com and this family tree 20. But now let's get back to our interview with Cindy. I think that's fantastic and you know I think of sometimes in our life like in our day to day that we it's not a non-negotiable cuz it's not necessarily for a break but again so like a lot of especially cuz we're at home my husband, Shane, his work, he's always looking at his phone. And then I am too for uh, our business that we have together. And then also it's kind of social because if we're slowing down to eat or something, that might be our first break in a few hours. So we want to check Instagram. We want to see what text messages we have. But then at the (laughs) same time, we're sitting there with our kids and our three-year-old obviously is not on a cell phone or anything. So those are times where you know, in our household, that would be a good time to say, okay, no cell phones at the table anymore. Like, and it's not like we're sitting there ignoring her. I didn't want to make that clear, but like, (laughs) you know, just kind of here and there picking it up. But that's, that's definitely a time when we can just exclude them. And I like the going to bed one too. Like you're there, you're spending time with your kid before you go to bed. So like, don't be half-assing it kind of, and you know, on your phone half the time.
2: Yeah, we we have to be present with them. I I, I think a couple of months ago I had posted something in a in like a question box in the story on Instagram, and I asked what parents wished they were more of, and present was the the most common one. And I get that because we have lots of stress, we have work, we have um, you know household chores, we have relationships, friendships, families, in laws, and all that. And I, I get it that we have a lot going on in our mind, but if we could just show our child, you know, mommy and daddy, we're going to put our phone down and, and just even saying it out loud because we're modeling these boundaries to them. Then when you set that rule for TV and say, you know, today is Wednesday and we have a chart as well so that kids, our kids could oh, understand, awesome. like, is it Wednesday today? And they look at it like, <laughs> oh, okay, no TV. And then that's it. They don't ask for the rest of the day because that's amazing. they see it visually. And another trick I have is to print out a traffic light because then you could say green light means go for screen time Um, and then for those who are younger for kids who are younger then when you say yellow you tell them you have you know five minutes left and they won't understand five minutes but yellow means it's almost over and then when it's red it's time to turn off the tv give them the power to turn it off but in addition to that before starting their screen time Create the activity or the excitement for what's coming up after screen time, where you say after you're finished your half hour or or hour of TV, do you want to color with me? And then they might say, yeah, or you let them choose the activity. What do you want to do with me after? They might say, I don't know, snack time or Legos or whatever it is. And then when it's yellow, you say five minutes left until we play Legos together. Mm -hmm. And then that way they're transitioning more easily into the next activity and it's the excitement to be with you, too. So it's it helps.
0: Yeah. And so you seem, uh, just from that description, very involved with your kids play.
2: Yes. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. No, well, yes. And yes. And no, mm-hmm. I, I am very involved, but then I step back when it's time so that they develop their independent play. So I'm able to, you know, not every day because I have a one-year-old, but the older two, they're able to say, okay, it's time to to play now. And, and mommy has to do something. The younger he'll, he'll get there, but the independent play is really important, so it's part of being attuned to them. And since they were very young, and when my they were babies, and they would get super engaged in a in a toy, I would I would still be there because until the age of three, they they kind of want you. They do parallel play, so they want you there, but they might not want to play with you, but they want you beside them. And I would just kind of like turn a little bit away from them so that they'd be alone. And that's how you slowly develop independent play is just showing them that okay, you've got this and supporting them and showing them that you're there for them, but letting them do their own thing where they're building on their curiosity and their their intrigue and something.
0: And, you know, when we're thinking of alternatives for screen time or whatever, what are your favorite things to go to that help encourage, you know, mindful play in your kids? So there's a lot I,
2: eh, well, where should I start with? Um, <laughs> Well, I, I like, so I like to minimize the environment that they have in, in terms of toys. Um, I always talk about less is more in the sense that if, you know, we might think that the more toys we have in the environment or the more containers filled with toys that they're going to play longer, but it's, it's not the case. It's like looking into a fridge. No, wait, it's, no, this, I it's like going <laughs> to a restaurant. <laughs> it's like, because I haven't been to a restaurant in so long, but it's like going to a restaurant and their menu is so elaborate that all
0: of a sudden you're not even hungry anymore and you don't yeah. know what to eat. Yeah, I, I don't even trust food on a menu that's that big anymore because I'm like, they can't they can't do all these. Well, you can't do it. No, no I
2: agree. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's exactly. So it's the same thing with our kids for toys. If we you know, I know the containers look super nice, these IKEA shelves like I have behind me, and you put all those, those boxes inside mm-hmm. and you fill them up with toys, and it looks good because you don't see them. Yeah. But for a child, you want to make it inviting. So those containers for me are put away higher where they can't reach them. But the shelves that I have in their play space, which is in my in my living room, I just have a few things on this like four shelf IKEA Calyx thing, and they play with it longer because there's less there. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 everything I have is open ended. So I so one thing that I do for for screen time is rotate what's in their environment. So I might have Legos one week. But then the next week, I'll take out their magnetic toys, uh, magnetic, um, what do they call tiles? Mm-hmm. And then I might take out some animal figurines, like just the ocean figurines. And then the week after, I'll switch that to their doctor set with a doll or another day. It's uh, an animal. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's really being mindful. Not don't make it complicated. Mm-hmm. There's no right or wrong way to do it but just so that when I know, let's say I have a meeting one day or I know that I'm really tired, I'll make the effort that morning to kind of get up a little bit earlier and just do a quick switch. So yeah. the less there is, the faster you can do that. And then they wake up and they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm toy Story toys. Yeah, like I haven't seen them in like a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And then they're excited, then they play and then you could have a hot coffee.
0: <laughs> no, it's,
2: it's key. It is. So So that's one thing. And then another thing I do is you know, these serving trays, they have it at the dollar store. It's like, you have the dip thing place in the middle and then sections. Okay. So I have one from the dollar store, super cheap. And then I use that to create an invitation to play, we call them. And it's like in the middle, I'll put either one color of Play-Doh and then a few tools in one little section, um, maybe some buttons or some googly eyes in one section, and then some pipe cleaners or whatever it is, some scissors, like Play-Doh scissors. And then I'll, if I need to cook, uh, and I I don't want screen time that day, <clears throat> I take this tray out right before I start cooking. Oh, smart. And then they're like, whoa, what's this? And it's like, okay. <laughs> and then I might have a few tools on the side that they can see. And then when I see like, if what a couple minutes later, maybe they're bored or my one-year-old wanders off, I might give him something new. And then mm-hmm. he'll say like, oh, okay. I could stick these jewels inside the table. <laughs> um, and again, it's being simple. It's not about having something complicated. You don't have to, Papier mache, uh, uh, like a hummingbird <laughs> that flies. That, that's not happening in my house you know? ever. No, no. <laughs> I, <am not> <laughs> I can't even draw anything. I can't, like a stick person looks like bad. Yeah. So it, it's just about like sometimes cutting paper, like colored paper, and I cut them in small pieces. And instead of giving them the large piece of paper, and they think it's exciting. And then at the dollar store, I have like backup things like stamps mm-hmm. and hole punchers and tape that they can cut. And you take it out and they're like, oh, wow, this is cool. Let me build something. There's no rules. There's no instructions. It's do whatever you want. And, and that's how you build that independent play. Your that's house you sounds
0: like so things. much fun, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like so much fun. It's, honestly. It is fun. <laughs> yeah.
2: But doing these tiny little things that make a difference, This is it's free play. And, mm. and that kind of free play builds cognitive skills. It builds attention span so they're able to focus longer. And and that's why I love what I do so much because all of this is neuroscience that ties into play, that ties into the development. Um, and it's, we can do it, <laughs> we can
0: do it. <laughs> yeah, and okay, yeah. so my, my last question, and it does have to do with play, roughhousing. Does oh, that yeah. have any, you know, cognitive benefits, negatives? Yes. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, um, I, I was talking about this uh, just last week. So yes, roughhousing falls within uh, a free free play so being able to do whatever you want and it falls within the category of physical growth and and rough housing so the whole rough housing ability or skill starts by playing patty cake with their kids it's a physical thing um, believe it or not so as they start with those building those physical skills of coordination and strength and then they crawl and then they walk and, and then all of a sudden at a certain age when you have a sibling, start roughhousing and, and that is developing social emotional skills. That's developing negotiation skills because it's like, okay, um, I didn't like this. <laughs> Don't do this next time, but they
0: have, to, they have to learn that. Like what lines to cross and- Exactly, mm-hmm.
2: but it's not going to develop on its own. So if your kids are not roughhousing but beating each other up, there's a difference. <laughs> If somebody comes out with a bloody nose, <laughs> there's, you know, there, there are skills to be learned. <laughs> and, and that's when I think, and that's why it's important to let them do it um, again with, with boundaries. Everything we do in parenting has to always falls back to being sensitive towards them and, and having boundaries. So same thing with roughhousing. So if they are doing it, You know, let them. And if you see (laughs) that it's getting out of hand, you could use that for learning opportunities and skills. So, those social skills, if like sometimes my two kids will, one will know that the other one doesn't like something like grabbing the ear. I, I forget what he does, but, and it really annoys the other sibling. And it's like, well, you can have those conversations and say, I'm pretty sure she told you not to do that. Respect her space, respect her personal space, her body. If she doesn't want you to do that, don't do it. And by us having these conversations with them, then we're developing those skills of one day they'll be with classmates or, or they'll be older and they'll remember boundaries and, and personal space. And, and this is my bubble, you know, like I can play with you, but I still have rules in my own bubble.
0: Well, Cindy, okay. I, I feel like I could talk to you forever. I have so many, <laughs> you're so good, uh, <laughs> but I will I will stop it here because we've, we've talked so much, but thank you so much so much for sitting here and chatting tonight and for the listeners who want to check out more of your stuff and you know see more connections between neuroscience and parenting and how what we do affects our kids cognitive development where can they find you online and on socials so i have
2: a website curiousneuron.com, and i'm on uh, instagram curious underscore neuron And they could send me a DM and uh, even an email through my website. And I have a podcast as well. Curious Neuron Podcast. I have a co-host for my podcast. She's also a neuroscientist. She's actually working still in a university uh, and she has three kids. So we chat about momhood and and neuroscience (laughs) together That's (laughs) and all our kids. Yeah. So, um, and besides that, yeah, uh, those are the three places that anybody could reach me. You know, we have uh, services too, you know, like uh, I have a better me, better parent challenge that I, I have on my website as well. And I I have three programs where I work with people to help them with play, with their parenting skills or with tantrums. Um, and it's all the stuff I love. So they can that's reach amazing. out to
0: me. No, that's awesome. Cindy, thank you so, so much. Best of luck. And you better believe I'm going to be trying to implement some of that into our daily life. Absolutely. Yeah, amazing. I love it. Great. All right. Take care. <laughs> Thanks. Nice you. you. Yeah. Bye-bye.
1: That was Cindy good job
0: thank you what do you think about the babies getting actually stressed out at the the sounds and sights of their parents arguing that part really stuck with me and it's been kind of haunting me not that like we like argue a lot in front of the kids but like it's really got me yeah. kind of worried
1: well when they're napping they can hear the glasses smashing <laughs> and, uh...
0: here. don't joke about that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so it's like World War Three
1: down here. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't like babies to be affected by arguments and a lot of parents maybe think they get a little bit little bit more leeway mm-hmm. with them being children, being like, Yeah, we can have a heated discussion. And no, but like it's
0: interesting. It's it's no, it's super interesting. That kinda of blew my mind. Um, what do you think really Lucy
1: would think if she saw your mom and I fighting over Bourdain? <laughs> i actually prefer tucci he's more palatable (laughs) to my sensibilities (laughs) all right
0: but let's move on let's move on let's go to our next interview so we are talking to or i am speaking to annalise king of shitty mommy moments but before we get to my interview with annalise let's tell the listeners who we are supported by we are supported by my breast friend My Breast Friend is the number one choice of nursing pillow for millions of parents around the world who nurse their babies.
1: And the spelling is?
0: B-R-E-S-T and for more than 25 years my breast friend's patented wraparound design has supported people in over 40 countries and thousands of birthing hospitals to support successful nursing lactation consultants around the world credit the pillow for helping parents achieve longer and more comfortable feeding cycles than they thought possible which Shane and I can attest to we love this pillow and it really did make a difference in our comfort levels when we were nursing uh, Lucy and Betty yes
1: men and women can use the pillow I was nursing Betty using the pillow and I was just so comfortable
0: you meant to say Lucy but yeah, use nursing her with a bottle yes. and the pillow. Yes, I, I would think that was a given, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's simply the best, most supportive choice for successful breastfeeding. And you can purchase My Breast Friend online at byebyebaby.com target.com, walmart.com, babylist.com, and amazon.com. But now let's get to our interview with Annalise King. I am so happy that you are sitting down with me today. I feel like this has been a long time coming and it hasn't. It's just because... We, we, like, had a phone call. Like, there was, like, a miscommunication. And I think it stems from, you know, just those shitty mommy moments. And, like, me not being together when I'm, like, writing things and, you know, whatnot. And my best business brain is still a terrible mommy brain.
3: <laughs> a
0: normal mommy brain. A normal mommy brain. Thank you. <laughs> but Annalise, so – for those listening, you know, they know who you are. We introed you and you had this huge meme page and not just one, but like several. I, first of all, would you call them memes or like quote pages, meme page? I guess they're more like
4: quotes, but I would say, yeah, you know, mom memes, kind of all of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's quotes. I'm not doing a ton of like picture
0: memes yeah so technically quotes yeah like shareable content relatable shareable (laughs) so I wanted to start off by kind of getting to know and I know you you know you share a lot of your life in stories and things but I wanted to get to know you aside from kind of the quotes and the memes we'll call them so tell me who you are And I want to know who you are. I want to get an idea of that through you telling me your favorite food and what you value the most in life.
4: Okay. My favorite food is tacos. I'm like not a nice taco girl. Like I'm like a Taco Bell, like that kind of taco girl. So those are my favorite. What I value in life. I mean, really just trying to remain calm is something I strive for. I don't know if that's a value, but like, the goal is to just let things go, you know, and just sort of laugh about it. But I mean, I just, I value how lucky I really am and being able to like spend all this time with my kids, you know? Um, so I, I definitely value the life that we've created with our family, with our three boys.
0: Yeah. And may I say that Taco Bell is a fantastic choice. There are many date nights. Shane and I have date night every Wednesday, and we order a really fancy meal from somewhere in the city. But I'd say one out of every two date nights, we start getting peckish at around 10 p.m. We order Taco Bell. (laughs) We do the same thing. Like, we –
4: either eat our leftovers that night or like we're like should we just like get something else real quick we love like the party pack i love hard tacos dan loves soft tacos so it's like the perfect mix i'm not gonna say i eat all six
0: but like (laughs) i mean they're so easy it's like chips honestly they're so little (laughs) no they're good i'm I'm a soft so are we and did you know what they came out with wine at taco bell Okay, so Taco Bell has a wine. I'm in
4: Pennsylvania, so I'm
0: guessing that's not for me. Here's the no cool things only happen in Canada, so I'm assuming that it's in the (laughs) States too, okay? Because everything cool always (laughs) starts in the States first. But they have, I think it's a white wine, and it was created to pair perfectly with, like, Taco Bell food. Yeah, it's wild, but they're always sold out. So when it first came out, we tried to get our hands on it. It was sold out in, like, you know, like seconds. So I'm just waiting for the next drop. But keep your eyes open because that could be exciting. Well, and I also <laughs> wine. Wine's my. If you had said favorite drink, like wine. Well, there you go. Are you a red or white woman, or does it matter? It depends on the time of year.
4: I love a good red, and then I love a good white or rose in the warm weather. So there you go.
0: Depends. So you've got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. <laughs> and as a woman, I I think if I was to condense what you said, you value you value maybe serenity right? Like that feeling of calm and just that moment that you can take to like kind of appreciate everything around you. And as a woman who values serenity, knowing what you like is so crucial for that. So I, I commend you. Oh,
3: absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And now I want to ask about shitty mommy moments. So you run shitty mommy moments, shitty marriage moments, and there's a few others too. Like you have a lot that you are doing. Yes. I started shitty mommy moments about four years ago. I just
4: started the other ones at the beginning of the pandemic, sort of out of like, you know, the need for more social interaction, I guess, um, more something, but shitty mommy moments came about just at first kind of fun, but also I did not feel like I had a normal motherhood experience. Okay. Like I started it when my son was three and a half. I was pregnant with my second, you know, long story short, I didn't like give birth to Will and feel like, oh my God, you know, that moment where everyone says like, it was the love of my life or love at first sight, or, you know, the the phrases that you like constantly see that people write. I didn't feel that way. I don't know if I had postpartum. It was never, you know, and we worked through it and, and everything was good. He's seven now, but the whole motherhood experience for me wasn't, it never seemed to add up based on what I was hearing from people or seeing. And when I was pregnant with my second, we had had a few, like we had an ectopic pregnancy. We had a miscarriage. We finally got pregnant with him. He was the preemie. I mean, we just like never had this normal, like get pregnant, have whatever. So I started this kind of like, all I see are these beautiful pictures, you know, like, moms that look so good their houses might be you know staged cluttered like they might have a few like wooden toys on the floor I like the wooden toys too specifications absolutely no plastic of course you know couple like really super cute um sippy cups like that's what I remember like always seeing these like perfect like things And like, they look great. And I'm like that, you know what I mean? Like, that's not my life. Like I'm sick all the time. I have this messy house. So the first person I followed was mom's behaving badly. Mm -hmm. You've I'm sure you've seen them. Um, Krista, she's wonderful. But like, that was the really the only page that I remember thinking like, Oh, this is funny. Like, that's Mm -hmm. so true. That's so true. So I kind of like, that's, that was my goal. You know, I could tell a story that will summarize the point of shooting mommy moments is not to encourage, like not being a good mom. Like it's really, it's like, it's not to encourage you to like, not feed your kids healthy or like, Mm. you know, shit. But like, it's just to remind everyone that like, even the best mom has a bad moment. Right. And yesterday was the first day at camp. We're taking both kids. We decided to go together. We're like, Oh, this will be super fun you know, we'll take pictures. Like let's just make it a family event. Like it was a shit show. Like we realized our older son, we had to like walk really far to get to drop him off. We were super late for my second son. I realized I forgot to even feed him breakfast. So <laughs> I had to like pull up to my dad's house, which was on the way to camp and like get a piece of toast. We show up to his camp. They like I didn't walk him in like I realized they come to the door and open it. Meanwhile, my van is like a storage bin. Like it's not <laughs> clean. It was mortifying. And, you know, we finally are done and it's just like, I'm a good mom, but like, it was just like the biggest shit show of a morning and to then go on social media or anywhere and only see people like their perfectly planned outfits with their sign first day of camp. Like it's, it. I don't know. I'm maybe I'm overly sensitive,
0: but for me, that's like, Mm. that's not how my morning went. (laughs) No, absolutely. And you know, you mentioned even the most perfect mom has those shitty moments. And here's the thing. I think that only perfect moms have shitty moments in the sense that if you're not having any terrible moments and if you're not having any moments where you have to like stand there and take a breath and take it all in, then number one, I don't think you're in touch with your own feelings. And I think that you might not be the quote-unquote perfect mom because you're not in touch with yourself. And, and we need to be in touch with ourselves. And we need to know what we need and, and you know, what we what we need to be sane, I think. And secondly, if we're not having those moments, then we're not having any instances in our day in which we can reflect on and say, oh, okay, maybe we could have handled this differently. Maybe we could have done this. And then you're not growing. And Absolutely. if you can recognize where you need to improve, whether it's on yourself or in your relationships with your kids or your spouse or whatever, then you're not perfect. So I, I, I think only perfect moms have shitty moments.
4: <laughs> so true. I love, I love the way you worded that. I mean, and also with my children, they're all different and they all have really shitty moments too. And I'm not the kind of mom that hides my shit from them. You know, like if I'm in a bad mood, like I'm like, guys, I'm in a bad mood today. Like I can't <laughs> or, you know, whatever. I don't try to put on a perfect face for them. And maybe that's just the way I am, but I don't think that helps them, you know, cuz then they're like, well,
0: I have feelings.
4: I have bad days. I have bad moments and it's
0: it's part of teaching them how to be a grown-up. No, absolutely. Well, they need to see they need to see conflict resolution. They need to see that they can work through things that are giving them a hard time and come out successful on the other side or not come out successful and be okay with it, right? right? And you know, you mentioned so the first time that you held your first son, you didn't have that moment of instant connection or instant, "Oh my god, life is bliss," that you might see on Instagram or in baby books, things like that, prior to getting pregnant. Was motherhood something that you thought would come naturally to you or was it something that you you know maybe couldn't see for yourself because for me I I did I thought I didn't want kids for most of my twenties. Me too. I was like mm, I don't know if it's for me. Then obviously you know things might change but
4: actually William was like he was a surprise. So we you know, had been together for a pretty long time, but he, he showed up on his own schedule. So (laughs) I had never, to be honest, I was 23. I had never fully committed to the idea of having kids or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't. So you
0: were, you were 23 years old when you had him,
4: when I got pregnant with him. Yep. I was 24 when I had him. But when I got pregnant, I felt all of those, like,
0: like I was really excited. I
4: instantly felt motherly and protective and just, I was excited for it. Um, I was actually like the calmest, I've ever been during that pregnancy. And when I had, and that's why it was sort of so shocking because right. when I had, and that wasn't the case and it, and it wasn't because really of like any bad situation. It just, you know, mm. that was just how I felt. And that's just the hormones and the, the emotions that was affecting me. I mean, there was nothing, no rhyme or reason, but yeah, no, it was definitely.
0: <laughs> There's nothing like a surprise baby to shake up your life, to put it lightly, I'm sure. And Absolutely. I think of you being 23. So I was 30 when Lucy popped out. And, you know, that was tough. And I still feel like a kid in so many ways. And I still feel like I'm growing. <laughs> but I'm into, a child, yeah. <laughs> Right? And I feel like I'm growing into adulthood every single day. And like, I have so much to learn. And. I only got off my family cell phone plan a year and a half ago, <laughs> embarrassingly. Like, I hate admitting that, but it's true. So, <laughs> I'm like a spoiled kid in a lot of ways. It's okay. I went from my dad to my head. Like, with okay, so <laughs> I, in college, and then <laughs> I want to ask about this. So, 23, that's considerably younger than I was when I had my yeah. first. So, What was that transition like for you? And who did you have around you? Like, did you have a good support system? Were you the first person, your group of friends to have a kid? Like all of those social things I'm so curious about. So I have a great support system. I have my mother-in-law lives
4: close to us. She's amazing. She's one of my closest friends. My mother is also my, you know, really close to me and she lives right by me. And my, my dad, we have a great support system, but no, none of our friends had kids. My husband is four years older than me. So, our friend group was definitely closer to having kids than I. maybe I would have been. But no. And the funny thing is, when we brought him home, we like were so afraid to hold him that we like, we couldn't like walk around the room by ourselves holding him. So, we would like pass him. Like, it was, I like think back and I'm just like, now I like get a bit, you know, I can, I could hold a baby and do four other things. But of back course. then it was like, it was crazy. We, we had no idea what we were doing. And there wasn't as much as there is now mm-hmm. to re, There wasn't a lot of relatable people out there. No one was showing themselves like crying <laughs> because breastfeeding sucks and your milk supply dwindled, you know, like they, you just didn't, you didn't see stuff like that. At least I didn't. So that's why Paige like, this is so important because yeah, I wanted to breastfeed. It just didn't work out. I lost my supply after six weeks and you know, I mean, you can't, you're at it's parenthood is so you're not in control. Mm-hmm. So you, you need to have people that it's like, oh shit, that happened to me too. Like this is great.
0: I don't feel so bad anymore. (laughs) And it's so isolating. Like, parenthood can be so isolating, especially when you are in the fourth trimester because your baby is constantly eating, constantly sleeping. You are exhausted. You're healing. And, like, you're just – you're not doing much. Even if you're trying to get out, you're you're likely not doing much. And especially if you don't have friends around you that have had babies and can be like, oh, this is going to suck. Watch out for, you know, how bad your nipples are going to hurt. Then – it's like you feel, or at least I did, like you're going through this experience that nobody can relate to in a sense. And it's like for my mom, who I'm super close to, it's so, she's so far removed from it that when she when she looks back, she only remembers the positive things. And she sees everything through rose-colored glasses. And I've only rarely heard about tough times from her. So yeah. then it some things are kind of shocking. So for you, what was the most shocking thing or where was the biggest disconnect between what we see in media and what you experienced in, in pregnancy or childbirth? Right.
4: So I'm super close to my mom too. And that's the same. Like, I totally agree with you.
0: She, she had a lot of
4: advice, but she, she didn't, you know, she hadn't had a baby in 24 (laughs) years. So she was extremely supportive with me, like the whole step of the way, but yeah, for me, I, I'm not like an, influencer type of person where like I look a certain way and I'm able to like stage photos like that's not a skill of mine okay (laughs) and and everyone on Instagram was like that Mm -hmm. like everything was always perfect and it was just like that's great and I do love to see like beautiful pictures and like I I'm a fan of that but like no I would have loved back then to scroll through someone you know breastfeeding their child and crying or like talking about how they got into the biggest fight with their husband because he forgot to put their breast milk in the fridge. And that was three feedings. (laughs) And like, I mean, you know, that happened, like that was like a huge deal. And you just didn't, you didn't really hear about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And for me, like real life and social media back then was, it, it was not even remotely similar. Like not at all close. That's why this is so important. And I feel like there's a a lot more people that are being more honest now, especially since the pandemic.
0: Oh, big time. Big time. Well, it it has been such a stressful time for everybody. Mothers have, I think your parents in general have a unique stress, especially if they are working or heck, just taking care of other kids, like anything. It's so uniquely difficult. And I think that Instagram, for a lot of people, like for me, this is definitely the case, has just become kind of that outreach community. Like, hey, I'm having a hard day. Like, is anybody else having a hard day? Does anybody want to commiserate with me? Because that does make you feel better. And it does help. And it's great for advice. It's great for, you know, like, hey, I'm having a problem with this. How can how can somebody help me? Does anybody have any tips for me? And Most things come from a place of wanting to help instead of a place of judgment, I think. And here's the thing, that's on my account. Your account, you do a lot of hyperbolic jokes. You go to the extreme with stereotypes to make them relatable and funny. So I'm curious about your interaction with the community. Do you get a lot of judgment on your page?
4: Oh my God, yeah. I mean, I get way more support Um, I get so many messages of like, thank you so much. Like you have no idea like that exact thing happened to me or something, but I also get like, why did you have kids? Like you hate your kids. Like you haven't had a positive post in so long. And you know, I don't actually really care about that. I'm, I know people do, and I'm really sensitive to some things, but I really don't (laughs) mind. I mean, like I don't even know those people and that's, One thing to me, why I think social media can be so, so helpful because it's really hard as a mom to seek help. Mm -hmm. And I even have trouble with my own mother calling her and asking her for help, even though she would bend over backwards to help me. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even want to put her out. So I talk to her. I mean, every day she's literally the closest person to me, but I don't want to ask her to help me. And so going and, and I feel the same way about friends. You don't want to burden them with your troubles and like your anxiety all the time. So it's nice to be able to have a stranger that like you're not going to feel embarrassed in front of. Yeah. And maybe some people do feel embarrassed in front of strangers.
0: I'm not one of that. <laughs> Clearly. That's no, a good skill. Honestly, it's a good skill to have because yeah. I, I do feel like you can get, you can benefit so much from that and you can benefit so much from leading a community.
4: Absolutely. I mean, you need support and and it's important to have it. And if you don't, social media is great for to find that. But it's also great even if you have tons of support. Mm-hmm. Just to like get a stranger's perspective and not have to feel like you're sharing too much about your marriage or or your motherhood with your close friends. I don't know. No. You
0: don't want to be judged. I I get that completely. And it's funny because a lot of my close girlfriends do, you know, like they'll talk we all talk about our marriages to a degree, but I feel like I have certain friends that get more into it with the idiosyncrasies uh, than I do and I never want to because if I'm having an argument first of all it's only my perspective that I'd be giving my friends and I'm always aware of that and I'm like well I'm probably being just as annoying but in a different way and then I also don't want people to have a negative opinion about your husband anybody in my life whoever yeah and it's like gosh, like if they really want to know, they could listen to our podcast and we like hash everything out <laughs> live on air anyway. So if they're right. really curious, they can do that. But do so do you find that you're kind of the same, like with, with those things in particular, you'd much rather talk to a stranger than a friend or? I mean, so my husband like doesn't care. I mean, I don't know if you've
4: looked at my shitty marriage page. Like, oh, he, I getting
0: into that for sure. <laughs>
4: there's been a couple where he's like, that's no, like, what are you? why would you share that? I'm like, because look at all these people who agree and it's happened to them. Like, it's funny. And it happened. I mean, I try to show supportive things of him sometimes, you know, and he's great, but yeah, no, I think I have certain friends where I might share something with them in a moment of venting or having a bad day. And then like a week later, it's like, so how are you guys doing? And it's like, okay, (laughs) like that's not, we're not like on the rocks.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: like we're just, I'm just venting about the fact that he didn't take the fucking trash out. Like we're not <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, and you need your friends to vent to, but there comes a time where like, you don't know what they're thinking now of you guys. Like, I'm not sitting there being like, Oh my God, do you know what Dan did today? Like he's so sweet. Like, blah blah.
0: blah. like who does that? Mm-hmm. And well, here's the other thing too. <laughs> what I find with people and this is so weird and i i don't get what it is about humans that they have this quality but they kind of like when people aren't doing well like they kind of they relish it and i don't like is it because it's like watching us yeah but is it because it's like watching a soap opera and it's like oh thank god that's not happening to me and people like connecting with people when they're doing poorly as opposed to when they're being successful
4: yeah, I think so. I mean, I think mo- a lot of people in my life have good intentions and like want the best for us, but you have people in your life that are, you know, like, oh, I- maybe something's wrong. Like Maybe they're not doing well just because you like vented about something. I mean, it does happen. And that is why I do like to be able to like look at other people's pages on social media and see okay, I don't have to go call my friend and, and talk about this. It, it, it's clearly a problem for other people and, and I already feel better. And I don't think social media is 100% great all the time. But I really do think that this portion of it, of being able to like see that strangers are going through what you're going through and you don't have to be putting that out there with your circle. It's a nice, It's a nice thing to have.
0: Absolutely. And I want to move on to... Shitty mommy moments. Okay. And I'm curious about your shittiest mommy moment. And and I'll start off if you need a second to think. So I I had two that that I've written down here. And I don't know which one is shittier. By the way, this episode is going to need a, a warning for the amount of time shitter shitty has been used And I try not to swear also, but I'm only doing this to stay true to your art form. So, okay, there was one moment where my daughter Lucy was throwing stuffed animals, like as a game, down the stairs, and I was sitting in the middle, like on the top stair, to be a, a barrier between her and falling down the stairs yet somehow even with me there with my arm out she flipped over my arm and fell down the stairs absolutely yeah and she was crying i felt awful she wasn't hurt that felt terrible another one we were on a plane the plane got stuck there was no heating on the plane sorry no air conditioning on the plane cuz like everything oh. was off we were in florida And she was going bright red, she was screaming her head off, everybody staring at me, and then for the rest of the flight home, she was biting me, screaming, wanting to get the heck out of there, and I just had so many eyes on me judging me, and I know I didn't do anything wrong in that, but it still felt like internalized, just like the shittiest mommy moment.
4: Oh my gosh, I mean, I swear, I have a bad moment like almost once a day, like I'm not going to lie. My older son, William, he's seven and a half. He's so sweet. He's so helpful. He loves to help, but he's very sensitive. Mm-hmm. So there are times where like he needs something. Like, I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was this moment. Oh, it was like a holiday. It was Easter. And I'm trying to get everybody to look cute. Cause I just want to take cute pictures. We're like going to mm-hmm. see my family whatever. And he doesn't want to wear this shirt and he's all upset about it. And I don't know how, how old are your children? Uh, three and one. Okay. So the older will gets, the more I'm like, why are you crying? Like, you know what I mean? Like the babies, <laughs> yeah. like, the, like in my head. So I like say to him, you know, buck up, like buck up. You This isn't a big deal. Like, you, you're uh-huh. crying more than the babies. And that was so mean, you mm-hmm. know, like you don't want to, every feeling is valid. And that was just a moment of pure impatience. And I had to like, talk to him about it and say, I'm sorry. I said that like, you're absolutely allowed to feel this way. And, and, you know, it's it's an embarrassing moment. I don't know why I just shared that, but, but to be honest, I have thought a lot about that moment Mm -hmm. and I have, it has made me just try to be way more sensitive to him. Mm -hmm. And and so, I mean, that's one moment that I can think of off the top of my head. I've had a million of your meltdown in public moments. Oh my God. Yeah. I had a moment where my car got declined in oh the no. grocery store recently and like, not for any reason. It's just like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like a dumb reason. And my kids are crying. This woman like runs out trying to pay for my groceries. And I'm like, I can't let you pay <laughs> for my groceries. Like, I don't need the help. I just yeah. like, I don't know what
0: happened. And I mean, we've had so many bad moments. But yeah, no. In situations like that, I just start crying too. Like I can't control my emotions either anymore. <laughs> so if anything happens now, like I've never I've never got a, a ticket while driving, but I have gotten pulled over um because my sticker on the back wasn't up to date. And like the second I rolled down the window to talk to the cop, I started bawling. Like just started bawling. <laughs> and Whatever happens to me, like I've been in so many situations, like with the cell phone company, like they gave me this huge charge because I went over my data by like, oh my god, I don't know, like two hundred dollars, and I called them and I was like, I don't know how this happened. My <laughs> baby monitor looked up to my phone, and then they cut the thing. It it's <laughs> it's, a it's a strategy, <laughs> not intentionally though, not intentionally. But I really love what you said about your moment right with those moments where we are not really understanding our kids emotions and saying Mm -hmm. well buck up like i wouldn't react this way like you're too old to be getting upset over this because prior to having kids whenever i'd see a younger kid i like my cousin has a younger kid right and if she like fell but wasn't bleeding or anything and was like fine I'd tell her, I'd be like, hey, like, you're fine. Like, you know, just give it a little right. dust off, run away. Like, you're you're good. And she'd be like, no, will you kiss it better? And I was like, no, like, your mommy can kiss it better. Like, you're, you're fine. You don't need to kiss better. It's not actually going to help. And I didn't understand the depths of kids' feelings. And they have a different way because they don't have the vocabulary we have or the emotional capacity to explain what they're feeling with us. So it comes out in different ways. And it comes out in crying and in tantrums. And that's something that I've been learning so much of as our oldest has been dealing with those big feelings. Three, yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. And really, it stuck out to me for the first time. Do you know Big Little Feelings, that page? Yeah. Okay. They're amazing. And they kind of started talking, Shane and I threw on this podcast, just about those emotions and how to deal with them. And that was so helpful. And it was like, it was such a moment for me of kind of clarity. And it was like one of those aha moments where I thought, you know, these feelings in my kids are valid and I have to respond to them with care and not with, oh, like you're going to be fine because that teaches
4: them to bottle up. Well, it really does. And, and I have a seven-year-old, an almost four-year-old and a two-year-old, and they're all extremely different. Their personalities are not even similar. And my middle child he is so meltdown prone and he can't calm himself down. He gets really worked up and he's kicking and flailing and Mm -hmm. screaming. And you really just want to yell. Like you want to be like, you can't do this buddy, but that just makes it worse. And so of course there have been times where I've yelled, but the time, the things that work is just sort of like sitting there and being like, I get it. I've been this angry before I get it. Like that's what works. And it's really hard to find that patience. And so reminding everybody that like it's okay that one time you did yell. Like it's okay that you couldn't be that rock for your kid every single time. You can't. I mean, you're a good mom if you think about Easter when you told your kid to buck up and you're still you feel so bad about it mm-hmm. and you're you're never going to do that again. Like you're a good mom just because you are trying to do better every day. Yeah. You're going to make mistakes. I mean, Absolutely.
0: Well, like like we were talking about off the top, you know, instead of considering them or thinking of them as mistakes or times that you effed up, think about them as learning moments and times that you can actually grow and, you know, deepen relationships. Absolutely. But I talk a lot about mom guilt and I'm so curious because people have different perspectives of it and it impacts people differently. But do you get mom guilt and how do you deal with that? To be honest, i I don't get
4: very much guilt when I'm not with my children. I relate to that. I know that that's a real thing and I've posted about it before, but me personally, I feel the most mom guilt from times I'm with my children. Like when I'm not with my kids, if I'm, I have a part-time job, if I work or if I just like today, like they're with my mom, I don't have any guilt. Like they're Mm -hmm. having the time of their life. They don't (laughs) care. You know, I feel guilty on days where I'm with my children and I didn't handle a situation the way that I wish I did. Mm -hmm. That's when I have the guilt. And it's, it's, it can really give me, I I'll wake up in the middle of the night with it sometimes Mm -hmm. just like, you should have just sat and watched that show with them. Or you should have, you know, like those little things. And, it's a huge deal for me, but, but the leaving the kids thing, I don't personally experience that. I mean, I don't go out of town. Yeah. Really? So I might feel more, but no, when I want to go out with my husband, like I don't, I don't feel guilt.
0: (laughs) See, I'm the same way as you. And I could easily go out of town without the kids and I wouldn't feel guilty. I I'd miss them, but I wouldn't feel guilty. And that's two different things. Yeah. But like you, I feel the most guilt, especially during quarantine. For me, it's been, not balancing well working and playtime and parenting. And then I feel, especially because like, I'm doing a lot of social media too, just as you are. So I always have my- time yeah, I'm like this, I'm like on my- self. Yes, and that, it drives <laughs> me crazy. And I'll be doing it and I'll be playing and I'm doing half of each and I just stop. And like, I get so disappointed in myself and I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Like, I need I need to choose one or the other. I need, I need to go and do 30 minutes of solid work- and where the kids know I'm working, or I need to put it down, put it in the other room, and just totally not be distracted for play. And that's so hard for me. So I was curious, like you, and you're managing so many pages, and like, you're wearing one of your own t-shirts, I think, right now, too. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it says, not to be traumatic, but motherhood is exhausting AF. Exactly, which is very true. And how do you manage that balance? Do you manage that
4: balance? Not well, William, my oldest definitely will be like, mom, can you put your phone down? Like you're always in your phone or I'll make a joke. And it's true. And, and the positive thing about that is that I'm with them. I'm home. I'm not at an office, but the negative is that I'm with them half-assing it. I'm not sitting there, you know, so I do, I've had that guilt for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I deal with it every day. (laughs) And there are days where I just try to like leave my phone in my room because otherwise it's a habit. It's a habit to check and make sure I don't need to. And I, I truly want to respond to as many people as I can Mm -hmm. because it's helpful and they help me and it's important. And I, I want to be there, but you know, so I do, I do make an effort to do that. And sometimes it's at the detriment of being present.
0: Yeah. Yep. No, I, I get that. And now you brought it up before and I want to kind of touch on it again, but shitty marriage moments. So this is another page you manage and it's, you know, taking all the tough things, even if they're mundane, just the annoying things that your partner does and putting it into the quotable, memeable, shareable form. So curious. Does your husband screw up that much or are you are you hyperbolizing everything? Cause I was reading through everything and I was like, this is hilarious. Like she's really shitting on her husband. Yes. No, (laughs) I mean, all of the
4: things I've written about, like pretty much happened. Like I swear, but, but like my husband also, he's around a lot. I mean, we have a company together. So like we are together all the time. He does. What did I just post? Like, He, my most recent post, I think is about how like he does all of the cleanup at the end of the night. I get in bed, he cleans up the dishes, he cleans up the kitchen. Great. Like he does a lot of stuff. He's not like absent. He's absolutely an equal parent. And he wasn't always, but since being starting our company and like COVID and all that, he's absolutely equal. I mean, Mm -hmm. my middle child, like had a meltdown this morning because I was driving him to camp and not his dad. Like he loves his dad. So but yeah, all those things that I post about literally happen. I mean, there are no, I bad moments every yeah. day. <laughs> but if he had a page, he says that all the time. He's like, I could say a bunch of shit
0: about you. Okay, so what? <laughs> this is one of the questions I want to ask you. If your husband was writing that page like shitty wife moments, what would be the one thing that he would keep going back to? What is your worst habit in parenting or in marriage? I'm a hypocrite. Ah. So –
4: I will be like, yeah, calm down. Like, don't yell at the children. And then like five seconds later, I'm like, well, come on. Like, come on. Like you, you forgot to brush your teeth. Like every day we brush, it. you know what I mean? I'm such a hypocrite. And I think that I don't, he's never ever said that to me, but I have, I think that sometimes I'm like, I tell him like, babe, like, come on. I, w- I wasn't home all day. I'm like the dishes. Like, are you kidding me? Meanwhile, like, he'll get home and, like, it's a complete chit show. Like, yeah. I have expectations of him that I do not follow myself. Absolutely. So I think being hypocritical would probably be a, a theme on his page,
0: <laughs> if I had to guess. No, And it's so good to be able to recognize that, right? Like, just, rec- just like, recognizing your shortcomings when it's – when you're a parent, you have to recognize your shortcomings in a relationship. Otherwise, the whole relationship is – gonna crumble. Like it just will. Oh, absolutely. It will. And I'm curious. So you guys have three kids, your first one when you're 23. So that's like super wild to me. And you said that you and your husband were together for a long time, which is blowing my mind because at 23, my longest relationship was like months long.
4: I met Dan when I was 19. I was a freshman in college. Yeah. He was out of college. He's from, we're both from the same area and I just met him on a drunken night. And, (laughs) you know, we were, we were together ever since, but Probably we had been together almost four years, mm-hmm. just
0: under four years. And how has, have kids anyway, or parenthood changed your relationship? So we say this all the time. Like
4: we have never been grown ups like without children together. Like we've never had like one of those, like where you have money, you know, you're like doing well and like, you can just sort of like go on vacation whenever you want. Like we have never had that relationship. Um, We've had, we've had kids the whole time. So we have support. My parents will watch the kids for the weekend if we want to go away. But that definitely is a big part. Like we don't have these, we don't have these adult experience moments (laughs) together.
0: No, absolutely.
4: (laughs) And we we constantly are like fifties, our fifties, like we're gonna crush it.
0: <laughs> That's so funny because I'm always telling Shane, I'm like, I can't wait for retirement. Like not even yeah. not even because the kids are gonna be older and out of the house, but just because it's like you don't have any of the young person or middle aged person crap to think about. Like, you know, your house might be paid off by that time, or you're just gonna you're gonna have less less to do and you're pretty much Absolutely. set i just want like i want to sit in a chair i want to have a glass of really nice wine every night that i don't have to think about Ooh, like should i be spending this much on a really nice bottle yeah and i want to take those nice trips
4: yeah like i'll be all right sully's two i'm 32 so what i'll be 50 when he goes to college <laughs> that's, that's 48 that's young 49 Yeah. So I'm like, we'll be, we'll be living our best life. Like that we'll have that time. And, and we don't really mind it. I mean, I don't, there are definitely days where I'm like, wouldn't it be nice? We could have just (laughs) like, you know, but, but no, we're going to get that time. And we're, it is what it is. I mean, we kind of just, it happened and we just like went with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My husband's super laid back and I'm not but he is. So that helps me.
0: He's got to be considering the amount you you talk about on shitty marriage moments. He's got to be laid back. I mean, if he wasn't laid back, you guys would be divorced already. <laughs> but- oh my God. I get so many comments
4: of like really a lot of hate. And, and, and I went on that page specifically. I mean, I just try to be funny and I wonder if people don't quite understand like what my name is shitty marriage moments. Like I am not positive marriage moment. That's not the name of the page. Like the point is to make fun of like the funny moments. I hope people don't think that that's all it is, but I mean, it is what
0: it is. They're strangers. I I don't really care. Yeah. And a, a key word in that I think that people might be missing is moments. That's not the whole day. That's not the majority of time. These are moments that happen that everybody has. And if you say you don't have them to some degree, well, you're full of it. And I don't believe you. Full of it. Yeah.
4: And just because my husband like fucked up that morning when he told me I could sleep in, and then he like didn't get the kids ready to go (laughs) in time. Like, that doesn't mean he's not an equal partner. Like, I get these messages, like, why are you married to him? And I'm like, I really didn't convey that well. Like it was just a, mm-hmm.
0: he had a bad moment. <laughs> All right, Annalise, we're just going to take a quick break and let our listeners know that we are supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit.
1: First and best.
0: Best. Oh my gosh, the best. It's crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories. And Seedlip's spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, sodas, or sugary mocktails. But now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life.
1: And they're just fun and refreshing to make with Zero consequences. And you know the consequences I'm referring to, right? Hangovers? Yes.
0: So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair perfectly with just a splash of tonic like we did tonight. But you can also make more complex cocktails, like the ones that you'll find in the Seedlip Cocktail Book or on Instagram at seedlip underscore na so head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or dot ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off of your favorite non-alcoholic spirits this is available in Canada and in the U.S. and again that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10 and back to our interview with Annalise what's the secret sauce so for you and your husband what is your secret sauce to you know always kind of Reframing things and ending up on the same page and making sure everything's cool. Like, what's your secret sauce to a happy marriage? I guess. Um, our secret sauce to
4: a happy marriage is my husband
0: just goes along with it, he
4: (laughs) he rolls with the punches. Like, he does not, I can't egg him on. Like, if I'm in a fighting mood, you can't fight with him. He's not gonna fight with you. Like, he's just like, all right, whatever, you know. And he'll tell me, he will tell me like when I'm wrong, like occasionally, if it's really important. But no, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't care. He just laughs. I mean, he it's funny. He thinks this is great. He
0: loves these pages. He laughs at those, like sometimes he'll comment. (laughs) Has he ever, has he ever like gotten in a fight with a comment or like a negative comment or anything like that? Like,
4: does he ever? (laughs) I mean, maybe, I don't think so. That doesn't, that's not like him. Like he, he's confident in himself and he really is. My friends literally call him St. Dan. Like they do, like he is so calm. He's so patient. He plays, like he's great. Like people call him that and it pisses me off to no end because like, yeah, no, like fuck you. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> he's, he's not perfect, but like he knows he's a great husband and father and he can take it. He can yeah. take it.
0: Well, and, and again, you know, the point of your page is comedy and relatability, even if you are, exaggerating and hyperbolizing it's absolutely that's the goal of it and who cares what's happening here's the thing like social media can sometimes gloss over the hard parts and just be great and beautiful and blissful a page like that, it's meant to block out the great and the beautiful and the blissful and just focus on those tough things to show other people, yeah, balance. this happens.
4: There you go, I'm right? Balancing the fact that these people are like, oh, my husband, the love of my life. Like, okay, I get it. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, come on. Like, you, you didn't love him all day, 24 hours a day, like every second. You didn't. Well, you loved him, but you didn't like you weren't a huge fan of him. Yes.
0: See, I I, when we argue, I still love him, but I don't like him as much. Yeah. He
4: irritates me sometimes.
0: Mm I mean, what? Of course. Yeah. My liking fluctuates. You know, Shane, my liking (laughs) especially fluctuates when Shane, he'll eat something like for lunch or for breakfast and he just leaves it on the table. And he'll be like, no, I was going to get to it later on, but he just leaves it and it's there for hours. And then in here, I'm no clean person. Okay. I'm not a tidy person. No, we're very both.
4: Disorganized. And, yeah.
0: but I still end up putting it away and rinsing it out because he will have like sauce on a bowl and then it'll get crusty because he doesn't rinse it out or like peanut butter. And then he will just put the peanut buttery bowl in the dishwasher without wiping it. And that is when I find that my, uh, my liking fluctuates.
4: The most. Well, same. Like I told you earlier, my husband does the close up at night. He does all the dishes. Mm-hmm. He like, he'll like get the house health- and I go to bed. Like I, I go to bed early. Like I get in my bed. I'm not asleep, but, but what I didn't mention was that he does not do a dish before then. He doesn't put <laughs> his dishes in the dishwasher. He leaves it all there because he knows he's going to do it at the end of the night. And for him, that's fine. For me, I'm like, can you just put your coffee mug in the dish? Like, why? <laughs> why? But no, that's just the way
0: it is. I mean, we're just—it's fine. <laughs> but it's those little things, yeah. And it, what's fine for one person might not be for somebody else. And I think that's where a lot of judgment comes into when people see things online and kind of compare their own lives to others' people to other people's. But like the thing about marriage or the thing about any long-term partnership is that you are choosing that one person. You, you're going to say, "Well, look." It's not that it's going to be perfect, but I'm choosing to put up with your shit over anybody else's shit from here on out. And and that's all it is. It's who are you willing to put up with? And that is my super romantic definition of marriage.
4: I think so. Mm. I mean, I think Dan and I are really we're really good about spending like 24 hours together. Like we we, you know, bicker a little, but like we don't fight much like Not much. And, and we're just easy. It's easy to be around him. So that's good. I mean,
0: that's the best. He he
4: annoys me, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) it is what it is. I annoy him too, I think. (laughs) Well, you kiss and make up and everything works. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Annalise, before I take up any more of your time, and you've been so wonderful to give so much to me, I want to ask what, where can people go? Where can listeners go to find your stuff online and find you on socials, your businesses, everything you got.
4: So I would love to have everybody check out our new business, Noble Newborn. Um, it's luxury baby products. Our first product is the Emerson bottle brush named after our middle child. And it's just, it's an antimicrobial, beautiful brush that's 72% less plastic. It's just, it's a great permanent thing. Um, we love it. So check that out at Noble Newborn. And check me out at shitty mommy moments. You can find all my other stuff on there. I'm always tagging my other pages. Check out, we have shirts and bags. Those are fun, but yeah. Your shirt
0: looks awesome by the way that you're wearing. It looks great. I love it.
4: Yeah, no, it's fun. I mean, it's all just, it's all just for fun. And I love all of the like virtual friends I've made. So
0: well, I'm counting yeah, you as really. one of mine after me today. Too. I already was really. We spoke on the phone very briefly yeah. before this and I was like, all right, she's cool. We got this. <laughs>
3: but yeah.
0: No, but Annalise, thank you so much for your time today. And I really appreciated thank talking you so to you. Much. It was such a nice, uh, I, I don't talk to people outside of interviews really with COVID. So right. I do. I treasure these moments. So thank you for it. Me <laughs> too. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Absolutely. Well, enjoy the rest of your week. Okay, take care thank you you too bye sorry for uh yanking the chain and bringing you down when we were doing the partner complaining bit shane but was it mostly dishes i yeah Uh, well it was like dishes with sauce in them but it was you know it was the first thing that came to mind because i think you did it like the most recently
1: yeah when i had the shoot and it was like really busy times and i told you i said i'm going to be a little bit annoying with the dishes right now because i don't have time to even have a spare five minutes during the day. But I'm like, I'm gonna get back to my regular routine (laughs) after this terrible time. And you were like, okay, cool.
0: Yeah, no. And then you were
1: secretly banking it for this interview.
0: Hey, well, yes, I was. Let's get into it. Should we do the Q and A?
1: What's a Q and A?
0: The QA segment at the end.
1: Oh, the, the mailbag questions. segment. So now we're changing the name of the segment. <laughs> no, let's this,
0: get to the mailbag.
1: This, this is the listener mailbag section where Alex answers questions that you, the listener, have submitted. She usually does some research. Sometimes she doesn't need to, but most of the time I just sit back and take it all in and chip in my two cents if I need to.
0: And this is kind of an exciting one. The questions this week were pretty funny, and I got to hear from a lot of people who don't typically write in, and that made me so happy. So... If you are a listener, if you haven't written in before, um, I usually ask on Fridays. So check on Friday, check on Saturday, and write in if you can, I would love to hear from you.
1: I'm ready to laugh.
0: All right, so the first question. As a childless listener, but a cat mom, I'd love to know how you guys got your kitty. So we actually don't have the kitty right now.
1: She gone.
0: (laughs) My parents have her. Uh, Although maybe we'll get her back after Shane's fight with my mom. Not fight, disagreement. (laughs) We're going
1: to have, your mom and I are going to have a cat fight if that cat comes back.
0: (laughs) No, but it was, it was so much. And our house was just so crowded. And my parents, um, both of their animals have recently died. And they, I think, just were really missing that companionship. And then we had a really full house. So they offered to take the cat when we were gone. Where were we? In uh, Prince Edward County, I think, for a few days or at the cottage or something and uh, then when we got home my dad was like so Alex how about we uh, just keep her and then that just happened and we I mean we see my parents all the time so we still see her every day but we got the cat originally from the SPCA uh, so an animal shelter when she was about two years old for my grandmother for my mom's mom and my mom's mom loved her so much However, and she had her for many years, when she went into um, care home, uh, she couldn't take the cat with her. So Shane and I took the cat Daisy and she, she was our cat ever since. Okay, Next question. It seems like the girls are great at the lake. Do you have any tips? So this was pretty vague. Like, I don't know if this writer's question writer uh, meant like they seem pretty good with the swimming or just with the like, cottaging in general. Mm-hmm. So I figured we'd stick to swimming. So, I mean, they're not great. I think they're both very... They like having fun in the water. I think Lucy is very confident in the water to a degree. She's not confident in her swimming ability yet because she hasn't had lessons. But she's very confident playing in it. And if she falls, I think from the time she was a year old, she's been confident falling in the water and getting herself back up without getting freaked out. And that just comes from playing in it. And Shane and I did a lot of research early on about whether we should have her wear water wings or a life jacket if she's being supervised in shallow water and we kind of came to the conclusion that no because we didn't want to give her a false sense of security in the water but is there do you think there's anything else that we've done or anybody around us has done that have that has helped kind of that confidence
1: I just think some kids are water babies and some aren't. Yeah. Like I'm a water person. I think you inherit that. I'm not a great swimmer, but I'm a person who likes to get in the water and chill. (laughs) So sometimes people equate like, oh, he's a water man. Like he'll, he'll be a good swimmer. No, I just plop in the water and chill there for hours.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, but we have good swimmers in the family. I'm a good swimmer. My mom's a great swimmer. And so I feel like Lucy will become a good swimmer. And since she has that confidence already, but she gets, she gets real nervous when the water gets deep. So it's going to be a weird to teach her. It's going to be tough, I think. Anyhow, next question. What are your two highs and a low for the week?
1: Okay, the high was for sure winning the argument with your mom. <laughs> the, the low, <laughs> the two lows was... No, you
0: need two highs and one low, Shane. This is a positivity thing.
1: Oh, one low. Okay, so the one high was okay winning the argument with Lorna the next high was getting home from the cottage because Mm. Lou was not happy in the car and it just felt like this is going to take forever there was a motorcycle accident on the road like a terrible motorcycle accident and it although it was only a three and a half hour ride it felt like eight hours and we had to pull over probably every 40 minutes so lucy could take a number two on Mm -hmm. the side side of the road because
0: again she was sick right so it was like she was pooping constantly
1: oh and the other high was lucy took poops uh, in her potty and named all of them and tried to make a family
3: like (laughs) a poop family
1: so she's like there's nona there's jaja there's grandpa there's grandma and it was very cute
0: yeah like she didn't like physically take them but she was like kind of constipated so she was like pooping pebbles and then when she was done she got up and she just said look at my poop family and then named everybody but she had everybody in the family except for grandpa so then she said i gotta sit down and try to make a grandpa and then she did and it was very funny
1: and my low was watching both airpods (laughs) hit that water that's that watery grave now, yeah, okay, the The first AirPod hitting was actually the biggest low, because when the second AirPod hit, it was almost comical, because it was like, "Yeah, how is this even possible? Only Alex could do this. Mm-hmm. This is funny, and I love her for doing this in a way, because it's so <laughs> you.
0: Well, you're welcome, but my two highs and a low, so my first high was, it was just being outside all week, being out, outside with the kids, not specific, but it was just so fun to be playing all week. Secondly, was drinking with my parents and just having so many great nights, you know, hanging on the boat with them, going, just the, the atmosphere was great.
1: Your dad took us on one epic boat ride. Oh my which gosh. Was a highlight.
0: Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, like a sunset cruise.
1: Just listen to Post Malone. And <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> but uh, my low was being sick. That It was just horrible. And like it came in waves that I'd be feeling good. And then I'd suddenly be struck by feeling absolutely terrible and useless and i do notice as this podcast goes on that i do sound sick only because it's hard to speak a lot Mm
1: -hmm. so that
0: it must be because i can't breathe out of my nose what are your go-to two truths and a lie truthfully i have never been asked this so i have not been asked it once nevertheless enough times to have a go-to thing to say so i had to sit there and think of something so shane guess my two truths and a lie okay I went on a date with a Playboy vice president. I had my appendix removed. I've gone swimming with sharks.
1: Okay. You didn't have your appendix removed and the other two are true. Yes. Of course.
0: (laughs) I thought appendix might be so innocuous that I shouldn't tell you. But you tried so
1: hard to keep a straight face with that, that it was obvious. (laughs) Even if I didn't know you. And that Playboy story comes up more than I'd like. (laughs) You'll never guess. He he ran Playboy. Yes, he was the head. He wanted me. Oh, of course. (laughs) It's just a whole Rolodex of stories of men who have wanted Alex.
0: (laughs) Got to keep Shane uh, on his toes.
1: Okay, let me... Now, do I think of two truths? Yes,
0: if you can.
1: I was 5'3 in grade nine. Mm -hmm. I was the goalie on my grade nine water polo team. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And I had a tree house in my backyard growing up.
0: You did not play water polo. I did not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So there are uh, brand new not go to uh, Two Truths and a Lie. Okay. Next question. This person does not have a question. They say, I look forward to the pod every week. Alex, your laugh is infectious, and my little one laughs every time you do without fail. What? Thank you for what you do. So super sweet message, and this is a new question writer. Like This person really took charge this week and wrote a lot of questions, and I I loved that. Uh, And so glad that you listen with your little one. And uh, if they pick up bad word, do not blame me.
1: Well, now I'm worried because anytime you're howling, That classic infectious laugh is usually because I've said something quite inappropriate. (laughs) Like.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. no. I think we're good. Mm. But anyhow, next question. I feel like I'm in a relationship rut with my husband. Do you have any tips to get out? So before we get into, you know, any suggestions we might make, I wanted to see what a, you know, an expert had to say. So I researched Robert Lee, Dr. Robert Lee. He's a PhD and he said first of all remind yourselves of better times and i feel like this is so powerful and we've never really brought this up as like a way to mend connection but we do it all the time shane like reminisce reminisce about awesome times that you've had and you can't help but smile you can't help but feel so good like even if it's just your day it's the end of the day you're reminiscing about the day you just had or you're reminiscing about before you had kids or when your kids were little. Whatever it is, it's it's so special and it's such a powerful feeling.
1: Do you think it would be a good activity if, let's say, this person who asked this question. I'm assuming it was a woman. But if she printed off or got together a bunch of awesome photos throughout their relationship and she was like, oh, tonight I just want to drink wine and, and look at these photos. Yeah. Do you I- think that would be good or would the if the husband maybe the husband wouldn't be receptive and think that was like well well here's the thing
0: with with anything like that i feel like maybe you're not receptive at first especially if you're in a rut and you're not feeling connected and if you are you know maybe feeling resentment or just not feeling into it it's going to be tough to get into it right away but if you kind of just fight through those feelings and just force yourself to kind of look at the pictures you won't be able to hold it back and you're going to have to get into it. You're going to have fun. You know what I mean?
1: And I think Connect Four. It's the perfect game to play. (laughs) It's not too complicated. It's not frustrating to get into. Have a couple of drinks. By the end of it, you're going to be just into it and laughing because you're mad you lost. Or Or you're happy you won and you're shoving
0: in the other person's face, you know. It's so romantic.
1: We actually are too competitive for Connect Four (laughs) and it always ends badly.
0: But uh, the the other expert opinions, number one, or number two, I should say, catch your partner being good. So instead of, you know, if you're like both, especially in COVID, working around the house every day or if you just see each other and you're taking care of kids, you're getting about your everyday life and you're like, hey, why didn't you put that dish in the dishwasher? And... It's so easy to nitpick little negative things, nitpick the good things. Be like, hey, I really appreciated you spending time with our daughters today and I I really liked how you approached that one problem. And give them actual direct appreciation because people seeing that you're actually picking up on things that might mean a lot to them or things that they're doing, even if it's little, just it means so much. Next, have a date night as obviously Shane and I think is so awesome and actually works if you force yourself to do it and lastly this guy says touch each other more and you know that goes from just holding hands to hugging to little pecks throughout the day to feet like actually getting romantic and he says it might feel contrived at first you know especially if you're getting out of a, a rut and hold that resentment but just like looking at the pictures you're gonna get into it because your brain starts to release those feel-good chemicals and it scientifically you're gonna you're gonna feel better about it and you have to start doing these things if you want to get over that hump so that's what he says but is there anything else you want to add
1: it's mean mean sexy talk what Like I don't know. Would it just like because when you're in a rut, sometimes you need to be shocked back into a normal routine. So if it was just like mean sexy talk like (laughs) you dirty little turd, you didn't do the dishes. And then maybe he's like, What? It's like Mm -hmm. playful mean. I guess. I don't (laughs) I, I just coming up with stuff out of nowhere.
3: Well, you
0: dirty little turd. Why didn't you just say massage night? Because I think that's a really good way to integrate touch, especially if you don't want it to feel contrived. Like you're not, you both don't have to be doing something at the same time. Like one person gets to lay there like a potato and get massaged. Then you swap and, you know, the other person gets a massage. And then you're both feeling more comfortable touching each other. So I think it's a good way to kind of start that connection. The
1: problem is if you're the person getting the massage first, one, if it, doesn't turn into hanky panky then you have to do the. Ma- <laughs> you're so relaxed and it's like oh you just want to go to sleep
0: no no but not here's the thing i'm not saying that this massage night has to turn into hanky panky i'm just saying I'm to start re- rebuilding that
1: Listen physical that. connection it can cause resentment so you're, you're <laughs> the first person getting the massage and you're like uh ah. And then you just want to go to sleep. And then it's like, now it's my turn. And it's like, what? I was just relaxed. And now it's like, and now I got to do work. Or you start getting the massage and it turns into hanky panky. And then the other person's like, oh, I never got a massage. And then they're angry.
0: I, I guess it could go that way too, Shane. So whatever. Figure out what's best for you. Do that. But there are some good pro tips in there. Anyway, the next non-question. I saw you guys at the park and I felt like a creeper because I recognized y'all. Should I have said hi? Absolutely say hi. We're lonely. We only talk to each other. We would appreciate a hi. We would appreciate people in real life that appreciate our podcasts saying hi. Because to us, everything is uh, virtual. So say hi for sure. Next question how did shane propose this might have been asked before but i want to hear a love story
1: i didn't propose it was more of a well i guess i proposed the question or or is that called pose the question
0: you posed the question or you proposed the idea during a conversation
1: yes so we had a few drinks we were at a fun getaway for your birthday Mm -hmm. and i just said oh we should get married and then you said yeah we should and then we popped open a bottle of champagne, and we're very happy. <laughs> and then we talked about it the next day. It's like, oh, was that real? Was, was it? Were we serious last night? And it was like, yeah, I was serious. If you were serious, that's my, it's my Alex. <laughs> that's my Alex imitation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and then Shane, I was like, well, when do you want to get married? Like next year. And Shane was like, no. He's like, let's just, let's just get married now. Like, let's just do it. And then I was like, oh, I guess, I guess that does just take care of, you know, the whole waiting problem. And let's get married now. So we got married three months later.
1: But you were still in that mode where you wanted to play a game. So you were like, but I have to go away this summer for blight. I thought
0: I was. I was still planning on going away to teach overseas.
1: But knowing you now, it's like, <laughs> I know you would never do that. You, in a way, were just testing me to see what I would say. And I was like, oh, you're going to go away on a trip? like a a few weeks before our wedding? You're like, yep.
0: I can do it both. Yeah. No, but I actually... (laughs) I I
1: can do it both. (laughs) I love that phrasing.
0: Yeah, and then I think about like when you have three months to plan a wedding and what we had, I think, 125 people for dinner Mm -hmm. and you have three months to plan that. Like the month before the event happens, you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off just trying to get everything finished and trying to get food down like it was it was
1: yeah we had no crazy. wedding planner
0: no it was crazy anyhow next question do you think emily rachakowski deserves the backlash she got for the way she held her baby so if you haven't seen this picture shane i'm gonna refresh your memory right now i'm gonna show you the picture so emily posted a picture of herself holding her baby and she's holding the baby very awkward. Awkwardly in she's in a bikini and I I think just first and foremost the prime directive of this photo was not to be like Look how maternal I am. It's it's look how great I look here and she's trying to hold the baby off to the side I think to showcase her bod, which is great However, do I think because she got some pretty nasty backlash acts actually and I think while it's fine to look at and be like Oh that baby looks so weird in that position. It's not worth actually getting upset about like i don't think she did anything wrong and a picture happens so quickly like i've had lots of pictures with Mm -hmm. the kids where they look so uncomfortable it's they happen so quickly and i don't think she deserved any of that i've also had photos where the kids looked super uncomfortable and super weird like i have this one where betty it's so funny So like I'm holding Betty but her head like she's putting her head down like to go to sleep kind of because she was a newborn but it looked like and I had my my hand like gently caressing her head but it looked like you I'm, look
1: like Liam Neeson just <laughs> cracked a bad guy's neck in half
0: you know I, I look like I'm cracking her neck in half and the thing is like she was fine and she was safe and she wasn't uncomfortable for her it looks weird in a picture so that's the thing it's like anything can look weird are we there do we know if the kid's okay no so you can't comment and you can't get mad at something like that i think it's feel time. i
1: feel like if it was a man with a sweet bod he -hmm. wouldn't have been ridiculed as much no, it's I It's just I'd like say. a mother should know how to hold a child. And for a man, it would almost be funny. It'd be like, look at Arnold showing off his six pack holding the kid like that.
0: I, I know, I totally agree. So yeah, stop stop getting at other moms because that's, it's stupid. Next question. Where's one place you've traveled that you think everyone should go at least once in their life? Mine's easy. I'll say Greece, 100%. The islands do it. It's like a dream. Like It is like a dream.
1: I think you have to go to Hawaii just to say you've been.
0: Yeah. In your
1: whole life, you're not going to have gone to Hawaii. I don't know. It's just a vibe. It's a a thing. It's the music. It's the atmosphere. It's a place. When I think of a vacation, I think of Hawaii. Mm
0: -hmm. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so the next question, would you have guests or experts talk about parenting in blended families? I would absolutely love to. And I I think Shane would too. So into that. And now that we know that there is a want for that, I can totally, totally look for somebody to ask about those things. And if you have anything specific that you want me to ask about, please feel free to message me about it. Shane, do you believe in UFOs?
1: If you don't believe in a UFO, something's wrong because all that means is unidentified flying object.
0: It could be a weather balloon from China,
1: yes, I believe there are those things,
0: but here's the thing. Do you believe in alien UFOs?
1: There has to be right. There has to be. It's Do you
0: believe that they're here though, babe?
1: here? Probably not,
0: like, but NASA has been like, yeah, there's probably been alien activity,
1: oh, I maybe they've flown through just to scope some things. But I don't think they stayed if they're, there's if they if they're here now, I think we would know
0: see, there's a few people that I could be like, alien in a human body type situation
1: no you just love the movie men in black yes
0: but shane i can guarantee it i can guarantee you think back in your life there's one person in particular i'm thinking of and i'm not even gonna say the person's name on this podcast but this person was in a leadership role and just not like a normal human didn't do anything like a normal human from it it was it was odd
1: what would be the odds that Aliens just happen to have that ability from your favorite movie. Well, maybe
0: the movie got it from somewhere, Shane. (laughs) Okay, next question. And final question. If somebody asked you to write a list of who you love the most, how far down the list would you get until you named yourself? And I found this to be such an interesting question because it's not something that I ever really had thought about. But if you asked me that question, I I wouldn't think to name myself. I'd name everybody else i knew and i wouldn't even put myself on the list and knowing now where the question leads i still don't know i don't know what i'd do
1: yeah if i if if someone was just like write a list down mm. of the people you love and I, I wouldn't even think that putting myself was an option
0: mm-hmm.
1: but if i knew i was an option i think i'd put myself number one
0: yeah as you should
1: yeah but i i, I would because i'm like oh, I kind of am my best friend in a way.
0: Well, here's the thing. Self-love is so important because then the relationships around you can't really flourish until you have a good relationship with numero uno. You said that weird. With numero uno, right? It's like a
1: love-hate thing. Like if I do something that uh, like, I I can be way too hard on myself. Mm -hmm. And if I do something I shouldn't, I'm like really hard on myself. But I forgive myself too. Mm -hmm. I love myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh i'm
0: so glad but babe, do
1: you want to know who's next on my list
0: no let's end it though hey folks end if it. you're listening give us a five-star rating we love that we appreciate it it helps us sticks us right in the algorithm gets more people to listen helps us you know create more and we we really do appreciate it uh but that's all we have for this week
1: Am my number two on your list
0: you're number two in life babe like poo
1: yeah got it uh thank you so much for listening to this This family Family tree Tree Podcast. podcast
0: episode 90